Good AM, PM mga mom sir. You are listening to the Circus Accurate Podcast, the podcast where shit happens. Oh my, yeah. My name's Cobert, coming at you live in quarantine from Kyoto, Japan. I'm joking. I'm not quarantined. It's raining, and I don't <laughs> want to go out. That's why I'm here. I am quote unquote quarantined. And I'm Rezo Tevez, currently uh, fresh what, in my house. What, what was that pause? I hate you. Anyway, just keep going. I thought you were, I thought you were no! continuing. <laughs> no, just keep going. I'm smoking, dude. Like, I'm enjoying myself. Anyway, just go on. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Um, I honestly, right now, I'm still, what you call that? Staying inside. You gotta avoid COVID. COVID at all costs, you know? But then, what you call that? Right now, um... Staying, staying inside, taking care, doing the casual stuff. It's currently getting a lot hotter in the Philippines. You know, day in, day out. Only do casual jogs in the afternoon now. You know, taking uh-huh. some relaxing walks. Yeah, that's that's why that's what I do every day now. Also, work, work never ends. So. Uh, okay. So what's <laughs> What's work? up? What do you mean by work? What is your work? All right, I'm doing self studies, or and I consider self studies as work as well as the well, all night submissions. Why, 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 why is like, it work if you're having fun? If you enjoy it, that shouldn't be work, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then, that means I can't call the rest of whatever I'm doing for all night submission as work then, because I'm having fun with my course. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. Do you even have to work? Why can't everything be happiness? Oh no, that's like I don't know. Oh. I think it doesn't have to be. I'm having happiness with. It doesn't have to always be like that, you know. Whatever you say, man. Anyway, let's get it. So, how was your? You haven't been on the show since like Eric from that was like episode thirty something, uh, thirty two. Right now, yeah. we're, right now, this is episode thirty six. Where were you? Yeah, I apologize for that. I, like I said, I was we, either we missed, hanging we missed out. You, man. I missed you too, bros. I missed you too. Um, I think I was basically doing uh some nice, either schoolwork, talking with the boys, you know, like my high school friends. Every now and then, it's barely. Sometimes my friends don't even have the time to chat, so sometimes we have to talk with them. What the hell could you guys possibly be doing in quarantine that you don't have time to chat? <laughs> I mean, like we call. He's doing self. He's currently studying UST, doing studies. That's why, even despite that. Mm, okay. Yeah, that's why. Like, Yo, that's why we chat a lot now. Oh, there's my friend, uh, Terrence from uh, U. From. Oh, I thought it was uh, Zach. <laughs> nah, nah. Um, no, we also chat with together at the same time because we'd sit at Terrence because it's not every day I get to meet one of my my start my first friends in Five Southridge. Why, why do you sound so senti? Oh my god. <laughs> it's not senti. I mean, like, what you call it? it's, it's a good feeling, you know? Chatting with an old friend. It's oh, a yeah, hidden I'll, blessing I'll, on its own. It is. That's why I'm here with you, you dumb fuck. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you guys should do that too, whoever's listening to this. Chat with your, Chat old, with friends. your old friend. If they still old remember friends. you. Yeah, Ooh. do some good vibes. If not, we'll remember you. Just put your name somewhere. <laughs> Email me and I'll remember you. Yeah, we'll we'll mention you in the next. But it, like it, make it IOS, otherwise it goes to spam. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. 
<laughs> oh, but Kobe, what's the topic for today? I'm I'm kind of interested. Do you like Nazis, Tevis? Nazis? Oh man, can't say that I have. But my some of my friends are into Nazis. Like, oh oh my god, Nazis you have not you have actual Nazis in your fucking. Uh, they're more fucking... memers, honestly. Oh, they're being edge lords. I see. Fuck those guys, man. I can't believe I was actually one. I was actually like that when I was a kid. Oh no, but this one guy who actually likes uh generally likes he's a fan of Hitler, like in terms of leadership. Hitler was a garbage leader. What are you talking about? No, like he likes his charisma. That's what he meant. I won't lie. I I've read Mein Kampf. It, it it really works. I mean, if you're a stupid, uneducated cunt who can't question anything, Mein Kampf will hook you in. Like the way Hitler writes is really, it's really charismatic. Yeah, that's why uh, he uh, admires Hitler. Uh, he's actually a Japanese friend of mine in uh, Benilde. Oh, it's this guy. Oh no, I've always had a bad feeling about this guy. Uh, no, I mean, like, I think that's the part of that. Anyway, I think he he enjoys he, he enjoys. I mean, like, there's nothing wrong if he he oh idealizes. He likes the leader's charisma. That's it. If there's one thing like, about Nazis I like, if there's two things about Nazis I like, if there's three things about Nazis I like, <laughs> <laughs> shit. <What's it> <laughs> no, if there's three things about Nazis I like, one is their uniforms. You cannot deny okay. that shit is fucking bopping, dude. I I know that I'm probably gonna get crucified for at least thinking something positive about Nazis, but goddamn, look at that uniform. Tell me that isn't stylish as shit, dude. Holy crap! I'll search up Nazi uniforms right now. Go 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 go. All right, let me see. Nazi uniform. Oh, how do you want to compare this? Tell me that shit isn't oh, stylish. Oh my, that is sexy. Are you talking about the whole black, the pure yeah, black? Yeah 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 yeah. The yeah, black, yeah. the black linen, black linen. You know, sweet linen. <laughs> Oh man, I'm looking at the insignia and all that. Wow, that is that is nice. They do have good style. Mm. Wait, out of curiosity, doesn't Japan something do similar like that? You notice how they have an armband on the left side? Uh, what? You know, doesn't Japan do that? Like, I've seen that in a few TV shows. Like, you notice how you can tell if the leader they're wearing an armband on the left side? Mm. On like their shoulder or something. I don't think they really do that. I've never seen that ever. Like in, uh, for example, let's assume like hallway leaders. I, I've seen it in Snowball in a lot of anime. I, I'm I, so sorry. I, I don't think I've ever seen that in my life here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hang out in high schoolers. So I wouldn't know. Let, time to, let's make that a passion. Let's go to high schools. No, thank you. <laughs> better things to uh, do. <laughs> imagine we get a phone call. Uh, sir, that's them. That's them. Hmm? Well, that's the one. Looking outside. Little kids. That's us. God. I, I almost, <laughs> oh, oh, I almost did get uh, arrested for like trespassing in a high school one time. You, wait, how? Why did you even go to high school? Well, not not arrested, but I got accosted by a guard because I, I was doing a part time job in a in an elementary school, but the elementary school had different buildings, and there was a preschool and an, an elementary school, and then a high school. I think I was supposed to go to the preschool. I was supposed to do a job, a part time job there, teaching English or whatever, and I got lost, so I ended up walking into the high school, 
And like, <laughs> I was just kind of like looking around, and I'm like, "Where the fuck is everybody? These aren't high, these aren't elementary school kids." And all the people <laughs> are like looking at me like, "Oh shit! Oh, hey, Kimo, hey, <laughs> what's that? Like, Kim, what's that?" It's like it's like gross, like because like I'm this weird college kid wearing a hoodie, and I'm like, "Where the fuck am I?" And then all everyone's looking at me like I'm a fucking alien. <laughs> oh man, that's harsh. That's harsh, my dude. What? Seriously? I can't believe that. Like, that's, the, that's harsh. That's that way harsh. My, oy, oy. So how did the guard catch you? No, the guard just like went up to me and says, old dude, he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, yo, I'm looking for the school. And he's like, ah. And then he laughed. I see, follow me. So I followed him and then he got he got me to the school. But, oh, I thought he got mad at you. I, no, he, I was really there, scared. Were, there were no guards stationed. Someone called him. Oh. Oh. The guard, spicy, the, guard, fast. the guard was like, "Oi, what are you doing here?" And I'm like, "I'm lost, man. I, I'm the guy who's supposed to to work here." And he's like, "Ah, it's you. I see. First time, yeah. Follow me." That was basically it. So, so they make when they say first time, it makes it sound like uh, this happens on a daily occurrence. No, I meant first happens... first time coming to that location. Yeah, yeah. They make it sound like a what do you call it? It's it's a casual thing that usually happens to them there in that oh. establishment. Well, I mean, they don't close the gates of their school. Obviously, people are just gonna fucking walk inside eventually. Wait, they don't? I thought it was like a... Huh. Well, this, this school, they don't, okay? Like, what, what you see in anime is, like, really far-fetched from what really happens, dude. Like, I'm just gonna say. If you base off your expectations in Japan from, like, what you see in anime, you're gonna be, like, massively disappointed. Well, uh, in fairness, I base off uh, a lot of things because uh, I think TV shows a lot of their culture, like Open and Epen. <laughs> Open and Epen, does it, does it reflect us in any way? It kind of does, no. actually, to be honest. It kind of does. Like, a lot of the shit Open and Epen do, I feel like I've done it in the past at one point. Like, sitting outside, oh. sitting outside the tindahan eating ice candy, they did that one episode, and I was like, that was actually me. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Is it open even Malaysian or something? It's Malaysian, yeah, but like Malaysians are just Chinese Filipinos. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Do we have that pass though? Do we have that pass to say? That? Oh, let's be honest, bro. That, 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 that really, that's what they are. Oh, I can't really say because I I haven't. I I only see it in in a way. I thought that would honestly be more of the Vietnam honestly for me. Well, Vietnam. Okay, fine. And well, Malaysians are just Chinese, Muslim, Filipinos. Oh, oh well, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I I went to Malaysia once already. Like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't deny that. But, but no hate though. But no hate. Remember that, guys. No, no hate. Just uh, just saying some stuff. Just what? We're just saying some stuff, you know. Just being safe. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> We, this podcast is listed as explicit. You, you, you know what's coming, bitches. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it was like a... It's gonna be labeled as well, a... Family-friendly. Oh, we're, we're gonna talk about Nazi ideology and you think this is gonna be some family-friendly... Oh, kumbaya hold hands. Oh. Oh, the guy we're, <laughs> I don't talk- can't... <laughs> the guy we're talking about fucking hates that. Holy shit, yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Can't... No, no, Why? Kum- kumbaya shit. Why does he hate it? He's uh, anti-liberalism. Oh. 
Uh, okay, so it's about time I do an introduction of who this, who this guy is. So, Tevez, tell me, how familiar are you with uh, Nazi politics? Honestly, aside, uh, would you only see know the generals like uh, if it's politics in particular, in particular, in particular, I don't think I'm quite familiar all too well. But I would say that I do know only the general and the general. Do you, do you do you know do you know what do you know what um what Nazi stands for? No, sadly not. It's a play on two words: nationalist, socialist. Nationalist, socialist. Do you know what either of those two words mean? I know. Uh, I know what socialists are, but not nationalists. Okay, a nationalist is basically somebody who prioritizes, who puts a lot of emphasis on the nation, the people. Not to be confused with patriot. Patriots are people who put emphasis on the country, the geographic place. Nationalists are like people who like have a lot of stock, a lot of pride in their race, their ethnicity, their ba- their cultural background. Also, nationalists people. are basically uh, the race, more of the race, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. patriots are more of the country the itself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, because I hear that uh, a lot of people talk about like, oh, I like this. Because that makes sense because I heard this in Con World where they talk about um, Con world. in the contemporary world. Um, they separate the concept of uh, a country and the, and the people, like society, because those things are completely different. Because some people usually, in our case, a lot of Filipinos hate the country. No. I'm one of hate, those. I, I, I'm more not. They hate the, the country. But we love the people. I'm one of those. I I hate the Philippines as a as a geographic location. I mean, no, not as a geographic location. It's pretty dope actually. But as a as a as a country with its politics and all of it and that shit, I really don't like it. And yeah, I, dapat lang. I mean, like and, honestly. But I I love being Filipino. Yeah, because if you hate being Filipino and you're born Filipino, that you're obviously denying something about you, because that's who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm kind of glad that like I like I have no plans, so to speak, right now, of mm-hmm. coming back home to the Philippines permanently and settling. Uh, I don't think there's a lot in it for me if I do that. Uh, I don't blame you. A lot of us are actually trying to move abroad as well because there's not much opportunities happening for people like, for us in the philippines it's like, a missed opportunity some people call me out on this they're like oh shit kobe you're like you're like oh, you're fucking like betraying the country you're a traitor. and i'm like what the fuck has this country done for me this country uh, hasn't done much of anything for me if anything this country this country has almost killed me several times i mean but, let's be honest here like uh, they probably said that because they came from a probably a first world country never like something like Philippines because if they came from a country where the government barely takes care of you they they don't even fight they don't even support the scientists technology we're only focused on one aspect it's money 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 all our all our money goes to the government growth, yeah. never comes back to us yeah it never goes back to us and honestly it's hard to love a country that doesn't give you anything in return we don't even have free healthcare. It doesn't feel like it's worth it, honestly. And there, and there was, people this, should feel like that. There was this quote that I saw on Facebook, which actually made a lot of sense to me. Oh, what was this quote? Uh, do you know? You know, a country is well developed if the rich take public transportation. Oh, that's actually that's, that's, that's basically, that's basically, that's basically, that's basically Japan. 
That that's true. Like, I mean, um, Japan's not the perfect country. It's got a ton of flaws. One of one of those flaws <clears> is the fact that it, they're only taking action for coronavirus now. They tried they tried to sweep it under the rug for like the longest time, but people were like, "Fuck off, fuck you, Abe," and Abe was like, "Okay, fine, here, lockdown, bitch. See ya, now. see you later, sayonara." Really, I thought they, huh? That's messed up. Because I were, thought they, you they guys were, would they were like it. dodging the question like so much, like, like how what are the symptoms of Corona? Uh, we'll get back to you on that. You know, they, they were like they were dancing around it a lot. For our part, I think it was messed up what Duterte said. We got this, boys. We'll handle this, and then it spread like ah. The oh, kit oh. is the kit. I love that shit. The theme is gold. I don't get that. I don't know what's happening. Honestly, I can only hope that for the betterment of the country, the people who voted for him should learn what they just voted for and how important their votes are. Because these people are the ones who are directly getting affected. There's, there's, um, there's, there's no point in antagonizing the voters. I, know, I don't. I don't. It's just that I hope they can learn from it. We should all learn from this. Like, this should really set an example. I don't antagonize the voters. My, my it's just I think... During election mm-hmm. during election season, me and my family, well, not my yeah. not my family, but me and some of my family, were pro Duterte. During the okay. elections, and when they found, and then when we, because we 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 thought that the idea of action being taken to solve serious problems, like drastic action to solve drastic problems, was really charming. We liked that because the thing about like all the other leaders at the time was that their policies kind of just reflected a maintenance or a development of status quo things, which we didn't need more of. Because the, yeah, the, honestly, the, 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 the it, platform was completely different from like everyone else's. He addressed yeah. problems that no one else addressed, like crime. And it, that... Yeah, it was different at the time, right? It was really... And mm-hmm. everyone thought, like... Because he seemed like a guy who would actually do his stuff. But then, the... honestly, I had my doubts already. Because, like... um, For me, because uh, we noticed... Me and my parents and family noticed that there's something up with him. Like, like if he did a, if you do a historical background check, his achievements and all that... Yeah, We yeah, noticed know that, that this guy would actually kill people for fun. It would kill people because... He believes this right. The fuck? Yeah, but ironically, it was the his, it was his history that want that got me attracted to him and wanted to vote for him initially, because because really? oh. he has the credentials to show for it. Because mm. I have a family member I won't disclose who, because for her for her own privacy, who mm-hmm. frequently went to Davao for business. And she loved it every time she went there. Every time she went there, she would always say that it was, you know, it was clean, it was nice, yeah. it was great. It was amazing. She she always liked, she always enjoyed going there. And even, and the thing was, you know, I thought that, I I was naive to assume that if he was in office, what he did for Davao, he could probably do for Manila. What turned True. us off, what, what, what made us completely anti-Duterte, was actually something that relates to what Carl Schmitz would say. That's our, That's what we're talking about, but I'll, I'll leave that later. It was, honestly, it, was, it was when he decided to... Sell the country, right? Technically, he sold us off to China or no, something like even, that. No, even before that. When he, wanted, oh, before when, that? He, when he wanted to rewrite the constitution completely to extend his ah. rule. Yeah, that's... that's honestly, the, 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 for tr- me... The, the trigger was when he was basically... Showing the world that he was Marcos 2.0. Yeah, that's the thing. And honestly, Philippines doesn't need another one like that. Um, 
that's why I'm, that's why we, I believe that we should honestly really do a background check. Like some people vote. Okay, I honestly, it's not. Sometimes some in a way, the voting in the Philippines system is kind of messed up also because I think, uh, honestly, the majority is you know the under the lower class, right? The um, and most of them, sure, yeah, the working class. Yeah, right. The the workforce, right? And majority are like in the. These are these people are like really trying their best, struggling with money, and what the government does a lot right now is sell their votes, right? And a lot of people buy that because a lot of Filipinos need to survive, so they prefer money over the country, like themselves, muna before the country, and that's kind of understandable in a certain aspect because we have so many problems happening in the Philippines that need to be addressed, but we're not even solving it. Mm. Too many. Uh, not, 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 and not, not that there's, there is no one perfect administration that will solve all of our problems. I think. No, that is true. I mean, I at least, at least solve one of them, right? Like... But, but part of the rationale why we voted for Duterte was because, on some level, um, me and some members, some members of my family. But I want to focus on me. I don't want to put any blame on them. This is me. Mm. Uh, at some level, I, I kind of wanted a leak on you for the Philippines. Ali, what? Lee Kuan Yew. Lee Kuan Yew. Um, so, so if you don't, you... Know, you don't know who Lee Kuan Yew is, Lee Kuan Yew is the person who pulled Singapore out of poverty and turned it to a first world country. Ah, uh, honestly, okay, not, I'm not, um, not judging you like or anything like that. I just yeah. think that for me, I never really believed when he said he can do that because I don't feel like he was the right person because. Uh, it, I know. I didn't, I, I didn't want to believe it either, but my mentality was, if not now, when? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, honestly. But right now, I have my hopes on... There are some, though, who are evident that they're really good, that, that we, they'd make good presidents later on. Um, I just hope they never change. Um, There are five so far. I think, for me, one of them has got to be Isco. If Isco, you know what Isco he's been Moreno. doing. Yes, yeah. Mm. I've heard really good things about him, yeah. Yeah, he cleaned the. He's cleaning up the Philippines. He, you know this different story. He, he, he changed he, it. I know. I, I I heard that he has like the, he has a gentle kind of strictness. Yeah. Um. We're, and we're, 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 gonna get, the... we're gonna get to that later, actually. Um, oh. But yeah, but I was gonna say like the thing about him that's best fitting is, um, you know that's how it's really hard for people to trust the government right now. So the best way to trust the, to let people trust the government is by showing them what you're actually doing. So every night, like 12 me, 12 a.m., he actually goes around, rotates around Taft, and then let's see what are the problems, what's happening, what's the current problem, and he sees it himself. He doesn't let people do it for him. Mm, yeah, anyone who takes action is good. I see that. Duterte yeah, was cool. actually that for like the first few days of his yeah, presidency. He was, in a but... way, we all thought we all believed him, right? He got he thought... was he was fine I guess for like the first few months but he got like progressively worse and worse and worse and worse and now he's not even like a coherent human being. I don't know what happened to him honestly. It doesn't make sense for me also. I can already tell that like a lot of the people who are watching this episode will just antagonize me because at one point I was pro like uh sorry if you feel that way if you want to if you feel like you want to vindicate me, kobearvis at gmail.com. Send, 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 send me your hate. 
But guys, seriously, don't, don't you don't really need to vindicate people. We're all in this together. Whoever whoever's Filipino, we're all we're all voters. We're all responsible for this in a way. So, yeah, my, my, like, my, my family felt really like they were responsible for Duterte. They kind of really <laughs> felt bad about it, I guess. I mean, uh, that's okay. I mean, as long as you guys, as long as everyone learns from this, because everyone's taking, everyone has a part in this. Everyone's vote counts, right? Mm. Yeah, that's why I think, like, as long as we all learn and understand what just happened, I think there's a learning phase in the, for the Filipinos, because Filipinos, we're not bad. We're like, we're nice people. We're good people. Good-hearted one. It's just that we're suffering in really hard times. Mm. We're just put in really bad times that it, bad situations that make. It's really hard to make us look good, you know. <laughs> we don't have to look good anyway. Uh, that's enough. Let's get started. Now, so the reason why I asked you what Nazism was was because we're going to talk about the most influential political theorists that Nazi Germany ever produced or saw. Mm. Wait, and, so what? Um, so this guy, his name is Carl Schmidt. Hi, are you familiar with him? Carl Schmidt. No, I never really heard his name before. Okay, so Mr. Carl Schmidt, uh, I'll give you a bit of background about his life, so you know what we're getting into. So, we'll talk about his biography, and we'll talk about. Uh, I'll, I'll summarize his ideology before we dive in, and I'll tell you who inspired him, so you can okay. probably. You might know who some of his inspirations are, uh, and you can use it as reference for understanding when we dive deeper into it. Because his political idea on the surface is like some something that's very easy to disagree with, but if you think about it in an open with an open mind, you can find that there is a lot of use for it. Okay, that's so. He's a knight of Nietzsche because, uh, well, I'll get to that later. So, Mr. Koschmidt, let's start. So, Koschmidt, guess what country he's from? Wait, Koschmidt gets what? Guess what country he's from. This is Koschmidt. Well, this is, this Schmidt, is, this is, so G Germany, right? Yeah, he's German. This is, it, was yeah, a, it, was, it was a deductive reasoning test. He's Nazi. He's a Nazi ideologue, and his name is Schmidt, and Malamang is German. So, he's a lawyer by profession. Uh, All right, and he's also a Nazi and a card-carrying Nazi. At that, he was. Wait, what do you mean card-carrying Nazi? Oh, when someone says card, you don't know what card-carrying means really. When someone says, remember when you like when you do business, people give you business cards like, oh, this is my yeah. business card, call me, because it's how you get known. It's an easy way to introduce yourself and get known, and and, and you you say someone's a card-carrying this or that, because they want. They want people to know that they are of that position. So when someone's a card-carrying Nazi, that means he's public about it. He's open. I'm a Nazi. Here's my card. Ah, oh, so literally, you literally met card-carrying us in card care. Oh. No, no, he okay, doesn't. No, okay. no, 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 no. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> no, I meant, he doesn't. I have, mean, he's proud. Like, I yeah, said he's, he's proud. He's like, proud, but he yeah, does, yeah, like, he, he doesn't have like a literal a card, card yeah, where yeah. it's like <laughs> he's like I'm a Nazi. Here's my membership card. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be pretty scary though. Like, 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 like yeah, oh, he, he has a fucking wallet, and his card is just sitting there, like in front of his credit card and his his IC card for commuting, <laughs> Nazi membership <laughs> card. No, fuck that. No, he doesn't have. Wait, that. wait, that's pretty scary, yeah. <laughs> it's retarded. <laughs> anyway, listen. Yeah, yeah. So, 
So he's most famous for being one of the the most staunch, the staunchest, one of the staunchest critics of liberalism and left wing politics in history. Okay. So if you don't remember, liberalism was that political ideology of well, uh, and not classical liberalism, but more of twentieth century liberalism, where it was democratic and people were like kumbaya, all that shit. Where the the ethos of liberalism was people getting together to live in peace and harmony. You know, imagine there's no heaven. You know that whole shtick. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, e- yeah. it's easy if you try. Mm-hmm. No, no hell below us, above us, on the sky. That yeah, oh, did you see that? Yep, that. Yeah, you get that right. You know, yeah, you know, you know what song that is, right? Mm, wait, no, I'm not really. Fucking stab you! Oh my god. <laughs> no, I heard that. The thing is, I do hear. I just, you said what if I know the name of the song? The it's John Lennon. Imagine. I'm gonna play right now. John Lennon. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that I, I was really wondering where that song was, where that was coming from. Like, huh. Oh my god, I can't believe you don't know that song. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was like, I, 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 I was this while you guys were listening, John. I was listening to Best of the Thousands, man. I'm sorry. I had a different vibe going on. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna kill you. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Schmidt hated democracy, Uh, Schmidt hated liberalism, but what does Schmidt not hate? Schmidt really, really liked conservatism, and he really liked fascism. That's why he likes Hitler. He loved Hitler. Hitler boy, his boy. Uh, do you know what the conserv? So I don't need to tell you what conservatism means, right? Uh, no need. I, I think I can just. I think I understand it on my own at this point. All right, great. And the well, the reason why he liked fascism so much was because uh, fascism gives a lot of leeway for extra ju- judicial power, the ability for certain individuals, certain people to operate outside of the law, outside of the system. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, on the surface, I think Schmidt would actually really like Duterte. Yeah, because, you know, he's actually performing out of the law. Yeah. But, honestly, my complaint with Duterte, oh yeah, talking about that, isn't he, don't you think it's kind of weird, like, how he's actually literally roasting every, picking a fight with every country? Um, he roasts people who disagree with him. Yeah, that's that's very immature for a president, isn't it? Like, and no shit, it is. Like, I mean, at this point, we just have him for the memes. Like, like look what he did with Justin Trudeau. He 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 was apologizing, Trudeau? and he's like, Justin Trudeau. Yeah. I don't really like Trudeau, but he's okay. I thought he was doing well. I think he's doing well for his country, though. Like, well, it's not. I don't. I like. I like how well. I feel like his politics are too generous. Oh, yeah. I see. Because, like, I see they were talking about it, like, uh, how the homeless actually have income, monthly income or something. Like, it's a support thing so they can get back up. I feel like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, here's the thing Canada's great, and I would probably want to move there and live there, maybe work there. It's the closest I could get to the States without being exposed to the States' problems. And I. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you you can pursue the American dream outside of America. That's pretty fucking wild. I like that. But the thing is, personally speaking, like I feel like it's so easy, you know, and it's and that easiness comes with a cost. But the thing is, I have no problem with him. I think he's a pretty solid dude. Uh, <laughs> I I can bring up his, my problems with him in another episode, but because anyway, so. Schmidt was raised a Catholic, but then he got edgy and became an atheist later on. But he still has a lot, but he involved himself a lot with theo- theological studies after he retired. Wait, I didn't know he was Catholic. I didn't expect him to be Catholic. So, so, so he's German, and Germany was very Christian. Uh, Hitler, oh. Hitler used religion to justify his hatred for the Jews, and at the time, the Vatican, I think, even endorsed the Nazi Party. Endorsed? Wow. Yeah, Hitler was Hitler was in there, you know. He 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 yeah, he has this quote where he said that uh he has a quote where he said that the the highest honor of somebody is to die for their country like Jesus died for us, something like that. And he was saying shit like look at look at these Muslims. They're they're killing themselves for Allah. Look at the Japanese, they're killing themselves for the emperor. And he actually dead as said, these people are inferior, but look at what they're doing. Take a page from that. Oh, fine. He said, he said, Muslim, ew, Japanese, ew, but I love how they're dying for us. I love how they're dying for their shit. You, you, y'all should copy that shit. Like, don't copy anything else, but copy that. Like, if you could copy one thing, copy that. That's what he said. Oh, oh, man. But Hitler was a fucking cunt, so, you know, we don't have to listen to that quote. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> Schmidt, Schmidt was a lawyer. He studied law and then taught law also in university. And in 1933, he joined the Nazi party and got his membership card. Yay! <laughs> yeah, membership. Yay! Privilege. So, so he, can, he can show... He can swipe that card to get Nazi points. Just check how many Nazi points he has in his balance. How many people he can lynch after he, that? He can, Nazis didn't lynch anybody. Oh wait, I thought it was hit. Some say what you call it. It wasn't actually Hitler who planned the gassing or something. They say it was his secretary or something, his advisor. It was the SS. The, the Hitler was not the end-all, be-all guy who did everything. There were a lot of Nazis who were worse than Hitler. Jo- jo- Joseph Mengele. Uh, his nickname was the Angel of Death. He was the guy who ran Auschwitz. He was. Huh? A th- he was famous for being the stereotype, stereotypical mad scientist. You know, he he operated and experimented on on, on the inmates in Auschwitz. He actually, and he experimented, and the experiments he did on them were like for no fucking reason. What, like, what like, kind of experiments were happening? Like he he created artificial Siamese twins, for example. What for yeah. fun? I don't know, he's just a piece of shit. Yeah, this guy, Joseph Menge. Uh, he, yeah, he injected chemicals into the eyes of Jews to try to see if they could turn blue like an Aryan. What this? Yo, that's messed up. Stuff like that. And they, they made a song after him, which is ironic, which is really, really sad because I love the song that was based off him. It's by Slayer, Angel of Death. You know how the song goes? It's a fucking amazing, amazing song, by the way. Oh, I should play. I should listen to it sometimes. Sh- 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 shitty person, amazing song, you know. And then it starts with the singer going, 
it's like it's so good. Wait, it's really? so good, yeah. <laughs> That's also Angel of oh, Death. Oh my. Mother to the the I I just butchered that song. Don't don't kill me. I. Uh, <laughs> it's by a band called Slayer. <laughs> anyway, so um. He joined it, and he was appointed to be the counselor of Prussia. So, he was part of the SS. The SS were basically Hitler's inner circle, Hitler's boys. Yeah, he was hot mm. shit basically. Uh, hot. For, and then after, and then after a while, he got kicked out like three years later, in 1936, and he lost his job. <laughs> I, um, and yeah, for, for, for the time being, he was um, working in Berlin as a professor. Uh, until the end of World War Two, and after World War Two ended, he got arrested. <laughs> what? For for having Nazi connections, but he wasn't tried. He escaped trial because he he got kicked out. Him getting kicked out might have saved his life. Huh? I was actually really lucky. So he he he, he was like arrested for two years and then he was let out, but uh, it didn't do much because right now uh, everyone hated him. Because now he had that Nazi card. He was a card carrying Nazi, and whenever people saw his card, they were like, "Ah, fuck you." So he pretty much got shunned by the whole international community. Everyone thought he was just a, a gigantic piece of shit. So Schmidt kind of like just studied law until he died. He died oh. when he was ninety-five. So he lasted really long. He died pretty much alone though, because that that mark of being a Nazi is really hard to wash off. It, it's ridiculously hard to wash off, if not impossible to wash off. It's kind of sad. Uh, what if you? Well, I think not all Nazis are technically bad. Well, I mean, it did, sure they did terrible things, but like they were just doing it because they were ordered to, right? Something like that, right? Um, yeah, you, you can make that, well, a lot of them were sociopaths, but a lot of them just didn't want to do anything. They just kind of did it because that was their job. Uh, yeah. Hannah Arendt, the banality of evil, you know, Eichmann in Jerusalem, Adolf Eichmann, mm -hmm. who was all of like, who was just like, I'm just doing my job. I don't care. He, you know, he didn't think he was being evil because he didn't question it. And then... All of a sudden, he's being tried for war crimes, and he's like, "I didn't do no war crimes. I'm just following orders." Yeah, and that there's... is true. Like, and he was completely normal. He he wasn't like butchering kids, or you know, eating people, or cooking cooking girls, or whatever. He was just kind of like a dude with a family. That was it. Yeah, he's just doing whatever he's supposed to be doing. Anyway, so. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick summary of, what, of Carl Schmitt's ideology. Uh, so, Carl Schmitt. So, so Carl Schmitt, uh, the first thing, so after we summarize this ideology, we can take like uh, a short break, a short intermission. So, before we get into his influences. So, Carl Schmitt, he has a famous quote, his most famous quote is, Sovereign is he who decides on the exception. Sovereign is he who decides an exception. Yeah. And I'll explain what that means as we go along. So Carl Schmidt argued that insofar as there are countries and politics is a thing, there he argues that 
in a country's political life, there will always be cases where shit hits the fan. All the time. Mm -hmm. And when shit hits the fan, uh, he argued that the the, the old shit that works like courts, the constitutions, laws... They, they 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 don't work anymore they because they rely too much on historical precedents that they can only be applied in normal situations they cannot do anything to help the country in the event of a crisis or what he calls exceptional unexceptional circumstance that's what he meant by the exception so what should you do then if you're if if you're in a country and shit is the fan he says that you should have one person who has all the power and uh, he should and that power should be outside of the law and he should this guy should be able to take all steps to save the state which is why he needs to be outside of the law he cannot be bound by anything and needs to do whatever he can whenever he can to put the state out of crisis so that the state may reinstate its laws and its systems and its bureaucracy in the normal time procedure again. That, that's like something a vigilante would say. Actually, reading this, the first thing that I thought of was Batman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, huh. So, Kalschmidt is basically just Batman. Oh, well, well, no. Well, Kal- well uh, the person who decides on this law, the person who acts outside of the law, is called the sovereign, and what? And he borrowed that term from Thomas Hobbes, but we'll get into that later. So I want before we get before we start on our break, I want to hear like your thoughts so far. What do you what are you expecting out of this guy? Oh, uh, who again? What's his name? Sorry, I forgot his name. Full name. It's not hard to remember. It's Carl Carl Schmidt. It's a very German name. Oh no, I thought you mentioned another guy earlier. Uh, Batman, yeah. I, I, why is it feel like? Yeah, well, yeah. Why is it feel like? I feel like Carlos Smith might not be really a bad guy. You know. He was. I feel like he has. He, he, he wasn't he has a, a bad justified guy that, reason. That's why we're studying him. Yeah, I feel like there, he's gonna. He has a justified reason later there, on. Right? There, there just, were there were other Nazi ideologues who people just forgot because they were just really pieces of shit. But Carl Schmidt was not necessarily a, a totally bad guy. Cause I feel like, he, like I feel like he has a, he made some really good points later on. Like I have a feeling, like he did. Yes, you're right. Like, like I don't know what to say. I don't think he was defending it either. I feel like he was just saying like, like he was trying to justify certain things. Mm, right, right, right. I totally understand that. So that's what you think. So you're going to be surprised because you know Schmidt is a roller coaster. Don't, you're going to. Don't tell me he's a bad guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. The thing about these political theorists, right? I did one episode with Bobby. The last episode we talked about Georges Serrel. He's a French guy, yeah. but he's a communist. Uh, there are things about Serrel that you want to agree with, but can't. There are things about him that you just fundamentally can't agree with. Like Serrel said, science is bullshit. For example, you can't really agree with that, can you? He was an anti. Mm. He was an anti-realist. He said that we don't need science. Uh, That's so awfully. But Serrell made really good points. That's the beauty about political theory, because political theory isn't as concrete as philosophy. You can disagree with it easily, and it teaches you how to question arguments, because 
if there's any branch of ideology that hates each other a lot it's politics so we're going to take a short break unless you have anything else to say before the break starts um nothing i'm just gonna get some chips uh can get you get some... chips in a later break or yeah, should we do it now this break maybe this break yeah i'm okay with any what, uh, are you, what, what are you gonna do in your break i want to run to 7-eleven get some dinner or something oh i guess we're both getting chips then we're all we're both eating okay great so all right so this is erasure sometimes playing for you while we get our shit together see you later alligators take care boys just hang on
Is this thing on? I'm joking. It's definitely on. We're back. Yes, let's get a vibe check. How are you feeling? I forgot to say that. I forgot to fucking say vibe check before we took our break. I hope so. You you just finished a bag of chips. I hope you're not gonna sleep on me. Oh, never did, man. I'm still feeling good. Really comfy now. I can feel the the change in tone of your voice. <clears throat> maybe maybe that, maybe, maybe, maybe that break was a little longer than ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. <laughs> Don't sleep. All right. Anyway, so where were we again? So I was gonna. So uh, a recap, if you remember, what what was Schmidt's theory? Well, not what it's called, but give me a summary. All right. The so basically, we we talked about how what was a Nazi, what were the what was the ideals or something, what what were the concepts, and then after that. We were supposed to go back to the uh, Schmidt. We we're supposed to get get to know more about Schmidt, like, like what exactly, who exactly is Schmidt as a person, mm-hmm. and what he quote unquote preaches or talks, points right. to talk about. Yeah. So remember his theory about Batman. Oh yes, yes, the one where he, uh, yeah, the Batman theory. Is, is that what I'm gonna call it? Let's call it Batman. The Batman theory. Okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> Let's call it Batmanism. So what? What, what, what the is Batman? What, what, what is no? <laughs> the what Dark is, Knight. The Dark Knight. What is Batman? What is what is Bat? I almost said Batmanism. What, what, what is what is Batmanism? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay, okay. So what was? Mhm. What was Batmanism? Yeah. <laughs> So remember, a state can have normal circumstances and exceptional circumstances. Oh yeah, is this where you have the judicial power? You gain the judicial power. Yeah, in order there, to there, there, the the, there needs to, to be its... a person who has extra judicial power, who in order to preserves... restore the state. To exactly. Its yeah. Current state. Yeah. So I will tell you who inspired this guy. So if it wasn't obvious already, Schmidt was inspired a lot by. I'll give Hitler. you. I'll give. I'll... Yes, that's actually correct. Oh my, um, oh but well, well, that that deserves its own section because that is very controversial. <laughs> so, I'll give you a hint. The end justifies the means. Wait a minute. Yeah. We just wait. That can. Mm. This is Mark. Ma... You can do it. You can do it. Come on. Machia. Machiavelli. Correct. So, Schmidt was inspired by Machiavelli because Machiavelli was actually the person who coined the idea of a sovereign and the idea of a person who doesn't give a fuck and can do whatever he wants, so to speak, in the prince, right? Mm. And... You know who else? And this is another obvious one. Who else inspired Schmidt? I'll give you a hint. Hitler. Wait, there's one was Hitler. Second was Machiavelli. And third one. Okay. I'll give you a hint. The Leviathan. What? Wait. God God damn it. Uh, Okay, I'll give you another hint. The state of nature is nasty brutish life in the state of nature is nasty brutish short it's a famous quote in the state 
of is this you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thomas Hobbes. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, I'm so proud of you. How do you know? Did you Google it? Nah, I'm joking right now. You just, you're just smart, aren't you? Okay, I see you. <laughs> no. Did you teach me this? We were talking about it. We had this even a long time ago, actually. I have no like, fucking idea. Like, this is back in high school, my dude. You were discussing this to me. <laughs> I really don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, Thomas Hobbes. So Thomas Hobbes uh, introduced the social contract, which was uh, a, a means to justify the sovereign, because Th Thomas Hobbes also thought of a sovereign as somebody who kind of like mediated between everyone, because he said naturally everyone wants to fucking kill each other, but Thomas, but then yeah. Thomas Hobbes said that there's a sovereign who says don't do that, they'll stop. And the other, oh, the other, hey. one, the, 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 the other ones you probably don't even know. So I'll just tell you. I'll just tell you. So uh, one influential one is this guy named Jean Bodin. Jean Bodin. All so, right. So Jean Bodin said that the sovereign ruler should have the right to suspend laws, especially in times of exceptional circumstance like wars and crises and all of that shit. And his theory goes like this: So assume that you have different power structures that compete inside the country mm. yeah and uh, what, what, what's the usual result of that people don't like it there's conflict war civil war breaks out there's chaos everyone's mad okay okay so how do you stop that he said that there needs to be a single sovereign person with absolute power that only answers to something greater that doesn't exist in the state something like god that was his example so there's there so the sovereign should be one with absolute power who only answers to a higher power and he's the only one who can answer to that higher power and the, the idea behind it is there is no competing power structures if there's only one power structure gets uh okay so it's wild yeah he's like he's like that's very um hmm. what's the word like it's it's really dictatorship huh like in oh yeah we'll aspect. get we'll get to that later what, what, what Schmidt thinks about dictatorships, because believe it or not, Schmidt did not believe that his theory was a dictator, dict dictatorial theory. But is it in the end or nah? We'll get into that. It's up for you to decide. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a thing people would say like it but, is or not. But it's ironic because Schmidt, Schmidt is like a card-carrying fascist, so... Huh? Wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this doesn't make sense right now, but... Uh, well, we'll, we'll, yeah, get we'll, there. we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. That, right? It's part of the suspense. We're hyping you up, yeah. All right, all right. I mm -hmm. think all of us are hyped up right now. Let's go. I hope that's true. It so, is true. So the next one is this guy named Giovanni Gentile. Gentile. Giovanni. Giovanni Gentile. He's Italian, <laughs> you know. He's a Giovanni Gentile. He's a. Uh, he 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 inspired the fascism. He <laughs> his idea his idea is that. Uh, he, he he created the contemporary fascist ideology. It sounded so nice and pleasant until he said he's the one who created. I'm like, oh wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Uh, he uh, he advocated for a thing called the state philosophy. So he in his theory he says that fascism has to do three things. What are the three things? It needs to represent uh, the law and the will of the nation. And oh, the law and the will okay. of the nation has to. Always overtake individual. Well, I'll stop with the accent. Unless you Wait, want it. What was that you just said? Stop uh, with the, the... the. I'll stop with the accent. The law. No, and I meant the, like the law and the will of the nation has to over has to be 
prioritize it needs to overtake all individual wills okay so basically yeah, that's what I was... so basically if you're an individual shut the fuck up you, you, you stay down and let the government do its thing all right yo yeah, yeah so it's basically a power play that's it mm -hmm. that's so that's, that's one thing that's it the second thing is that all human and spiritual values have to stem from the state so the state the, the, the state has to be the source of all of your values all of your morality if the state says worship god worship god if the state says worship allah worship allah if the state says love your family love your family if the state says kill your friends kill your friends how oh. are the people feeling about this in the early stages like the citizens well well i think they liked it <laughs> Huh? But uh, I mean, the, the thing—the thing is, I'm just using radical examples. Uh, but because what he meant yeah. was things like this: if the state says that you guys should farm wheat because it's good for us, you guys should should probably do it. That's what—that's what I that's what uh, meant. Ah, okay. Because there has to be a little there has to be a little bit of practicality. These are all political theories, and all all pro, all political theories have to be practical in some way. Killing your yeah, friends is not practical at all. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. the third thing is that the most important thing to do as an individual is to preserve and expand the state. All of your actions as an individual ought to contribute some way to the preservation and the expansion of the state. Wait, you, I just realized something. If, what, if most of the situations in dictatorship are usually practical, right? It's supposed to be... It makes sense people would follow that, right? wholeheartedly or something because it's practical but ironically in a lot of cases for dictatorship it doesn't seem so practical it makes sense that people would uh, how do you know they're against... not practical well i mean like usually when it doesn't make sense or when it's not aligned with the people so what the people wants or the same thing the same set of belief the people believes in you know Mm, well if they don't then that means they're deviants and they should get thrown in jail or killed <laughs> that's how they do it Oh, yep, okay. Now I see. I thought because like, you see, you're, based you're, on the social you're, you're standards. Think, you're thinking about it as a, as a Democrat, you know, as a, as a, as a citizen of yeah. a democracy, where you think that individual matters. Nah, fam, this is fascism. You either you you either embody the state or you embody... Jail. <laughs> you're not even, it's either you embody... Oh, I was going to make a pun. Oh. It's either you embody the state or you embody... I don't know. I was going <laughs> to make a joke. This. I was gonna make a joke about like a body being in a casket or something like that. You, you can still make it. Never mind. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> and this other, and then there's one more guy who I want to talk about. His name is Jose Ortega y Gasset. He's Sounds a, Filipino. He's not Filipino. He's Spanish. <laughs> He's fucking Spanish, bro. In fairness, a lot of Filipino names are actually Spanish. Just just because you heard just because you heard Jose Ortega. Okay, so uh, let's call him G Gasset. So Gasset uh, was a liberal, but he said that there needed to be a radical change in liberalism because liberalism was antithetical to intellectualism. He said that cool. liberalism took its cue from the rise of the industrial masses. And when the when the masses get power, intellectualism declines. So in place of intellectuals, you get pseudo intellectuals who just are full of shit and have nothing to do with like 
proper intellectualism. They're just fucking stupid and they pretend that they're smart. Your your yeah. your, your uni is full of these. My uni is full of these. They're everywhere. <laughs> so, I mean, so all of us experience the same we're, we're, thing. We're probably huh? we're probably we are probably these as well, actually. <laughs> but <laughs> no. Uh, how do you spot a pseudo intellectual? Well, Gasset said that pseudo intellectuals are defined by the lack of three things. Tradition, purpose, and morality. Uh, and if they continue to do what they do, since intellectuals are the lead, are the are like the ideological drivers of the nation. If pseudo intellectuals are the drivers of the nation, then people will adopt similar themes. So if a pseudo intellectual who has no tradition, purpose, or morality takes the wheel, the people behind them will also have no tradition, purpose, or morality. Hmm. Hmm. Wait, can you say that again? I, I want to make sure I just heard that right. Like, say that again. All, all, all of it? So, if, oh, a, if, a, if, a, if a pseudo intellectual is driving the bus, right? And, yeah. and pseudo intellectuals have no tradition, purpose, or morality, then the people, the passengers of the bus, will follow them. And they also will have no tradition, purpose, or morality. Gets? Oh, so wait, is that so? I now I see what you mean by we're also probably like this as well, because we're probably following someone, right? Or like no, it's it's a joke, my guy. Oh, I thought. Look at it this way: what is a what is an intellectual? Intellectuals are not necessarily people who are smart, but they are people who have tradition, purpose, and morality. Because according yeah. to Gasset, in a nutshell, what defines a pseudo-intellectual is somebody who has no tradition, no purpose, no morality. An intellectual that has no tradition, no more, no purpose, or, or morality is a pseudo-intellectual. And people copy the examples of intellectuals, which is why Marx is such a big deal. And if people copy the examples of a pseudo-intellectual, they will also have the same values, as in no tradition, no purpose, no morality. That's really scary. Uh, that makes sense, though, because like it, it'd be wild. I mean, it kind of makes sense because like it's similar to the concept of mirroring, isn't it? Like in that aspect. No, the 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 the, 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 the argument isn't about why people follow, but the argument is that if people follow, that's what's yeah, gonna if. happen. Yeah. Anyway, oh, that's crazy. I don't need to tell you the last one, right? Who, who, who's nice are these? Nietzsche. Yeah. So Friedrich Nietzsche basically inspired all of Nazism, and since Schmidt is a Nazi, he's inspired by Nietzsche by default. He has a lot of inspiration. That's good, though. Like, but the Nietzsche one is a bit far-fetched. I'm only putting that in there because Schmidt is a Nazi, and Nietzsche did inspire Nazism, like hard. Oh. Oh, he did? Yes, he did. I, like, I thought, like... I, I thought I made that clear, like, every time I brought him up. Anyway, but yeah, Nietzsche, Nietzsche did inspire all of Nazism, but he inspired it post-mortem after he died. Because Nietzsche's sister is an anti-Semite. You know what an anti-Semite is, right? Never heard of that one. Uh, an anti-Semite is somebody who is anti-Jewish. Semite, oh. mean, Semite means Jew. If you're an anti-Semite, that means you hate Jews. You don't, you don't like Jews. 
Oh. So Nietzsche's sister was um, a Nazi, a member of the Nazi party, and she basically reappropriated all of Nietzsche's philosophy to serve Hitler's agenda. Oh my God. After Nietzsche died he... as well, so he can't say anything about it. Yeah, he can't. <laughs> he's fucking dead, yo. Yeah, to be misused. Wow. Kind of sad. It's very sad. Like to be misused, like. You know the worst thing about Nietzsche as well? What? That's how he died. How did he die? You know, Nietzsche was not popular with the ladies. Or oh, don't tell me he died single or so alone. He did. He did actually die alone. He was not pop. He was. He was not popular with the ladies because he tried really hard to to get the affection of this one lady, but she he got declined like like so many times, and he just never let up. And he was, I think, a virgin for most of his life. And one day he was given the opportunity to to pop his cherry with a prostitute, and he did it. And he got syphilis and died because of it. You know, that's kind of sad. That's a big punishment for someone who is just trying to pop his cherry. Well, that's what you get. Uh-huh. Well, poor Nietzsche, but... Uh, let's get started with the nitty-gritty of Schmidt's philosophy, because I think you're going to really enjoy this wild ride, honestly. Oh, that's right. Let's how, ride this. How, how is your... How is your... How are, how are you feeling? Are you, you, you sweepy? No. Not I'm near hyper. You. You're hyper. You're hyper. Yeah, I'm hyper acidic. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, let's get it, baby. So let's talk let's about uh, a concept that's central to Schmidt's ideology called Ernst Fall. I, uh, excuse my Ernst German. Stoll? I, excuse my German. It's probably pronounced Ernstfall or something like that. But, but Wait, what? <laughs> Ernstfall. Ernstfall. I'll, I'll put it in Google Translate to see how it's pronounced. Wait. Uh, I'll, then I'll copy it. <laughs> Fucking Germans. They always sound angry. Uh, Ernstfall. 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 Er, I was right. Ernstfall. So the concept of Ernstfall. You know what, you know what Ernstfall literally means? What's it mean? Ernstfall is a German word that means something serious. Like a serious case. An exception. So that distinction between normal circumstance and exceptional circumstance, otherwise known as Ernstfall, is uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a key concept in Schmidt's Schmidt's ideology. So, so Schmidt defined Ernstfall as uh, unexpected events. You know, uh, basically shit that is when shit hits the fan and it's really bad. It threatens the existence of your state. That's an Ernstfall. For example, 9-11, that's Ernst Fall. Ernst Fall, yeah. Duterte's administration, that's Ernst Fall. Ernst Fall. I mean, not, not to Schmidt, but to us maybe. But um, the, there, martial law, Marcos's martial law, maybe that was Ernst Fall. Uh, the ISIS sieging Marawi, Ernst Fall as fuck, yes. Oh, riot uh, hard nerfing Akali to the point of barely being used. Ernst Fall. Akali's still usable, man. I, I just played her like a few days ago. Really? People say she's dead because of that. The hard, hard nerve. They, they killed. They took away a lot of things from Akali for some reason. I mean, player mid. She's kind of dead top. Oh, that's why. I think they nerfed her just so that they can have her stop playing top. Cause she, I mean, 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go in there right now. So, <laughs> Ernst Fall. So, Ernst Fall. Ernst Fall is the reason why liberalism sucks, according to Schmidt. So, do, do you like liberalism, Davis? Oh, can't say that I'm a fan of it. I barely even know. Would you Would you consider yourself left wing or right wing? I think I'd be more of like a left wing. Okay, so that means you're more liberal centric. So, so liberalism said Schmidt said that liberalism was bad because of Ernst Fall. He said that because liberalism relied too much on the law as the best source of individual freedom. It failed at guaranteeing individual freedom. That doesn't. I'm honestly, I thought it would be working. It would work. It works, but the thing is, it's great if things are normal, right? If uh. things are fine. But once things become anstfall, it it fucking fails. It sucks. And also, it's one of those very situational situational cases. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Things like coup d'etats, wars, revolts, that sort of thing. The law is not equipped to deal with those, according to Schmidt. When things become asphalt, you need something else. The sovereign. Case. So, That's it. so it only works if and only if the situation, everything is like normal. Like, situation's good. Pretty much, yeah. When things are just fine and dandy, it's all good. But then when shit explodes, when when it becomes Ernstfall, you need to have someone else. Because the laws suck shit, according to Schmidt. He said that legal theory, it, it, they suck because legal theory and legal practice were no longer like on the same page, right? Because legal theory was sound. Let's say legal theory is sound, yes, but legal practice was concerned too much with uh, preserving individual liberty, but at, in a very rigorous, structured way that mm. could only work feasibly in a rigorous, structured environment. But when the rigor and the structure get fucking, you know, erased, you're just beating a dead horse at that point. You're useless. Mm. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, he said he said also laws were alienated from social norms. For example, laws. law laws like just the law in general was like not up to date with social norms, because the way Hitler got into power, for example, it was completely illegal. Actually, how did he get into power? So at the time, Germany was a parliament, I think, and it was a democratic system. But hit, but there was this incident called the Night of the Long Knives, where that sounds cool. Hitler systematically Hitler systematically assassinated eighty five of huh. his of his political opponents so that no one could contest him anymore. Yo, that's okay. Okay, I see what you mean by legal. That's unfair. <laughs> yeah, but Schmidt said Schmidt was like, "Oh my God, that's so cool! Oh, Hitler sent by ah." He 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 was he was all over that shit. He thought that that was the perfect example of like a sovereign just doing his Wait, thing. Wait, no one was against this or something. He just killed what? No one implicated Hitler for it. People just no. No one thought it was fishy. But by the time they realized it, it was too late. Hitler was already in there. 
They're like, hey, don't you find it weird? This guy's in, uh. They found it too late. So messed up. Ernstfall. So, he said that it's because of this, that it's because of the fact that, you know, you, laws cannot define social norms, that it wasn't fit to deal with any events that threaten the state. He has a quote, um, but I'm going to paraphrase the quote a little bit, okay? Yeah. A president is better able to guard the country's constitution than a court, and so should necessarily be above the law. The ruler of the state I... must always be above the law. Because... I have a feeling, yep. It's, it, oh, it would go here, wouldn't it? Mm, yes, baby. And because of that, you know what's going to happen? He needs the power to make yeah. this country right. So in, in a nutshell, the ruler has to be the ultimate lawmaker. He has to be the end-all, be-all opinion on, on, in the event of Ernst Fall. Nothing has to get in his way. Not even the laws. Not even the constitution. Nothing. Period. Question mark. Just joking. Just period. <laughs> what do you think so far? I think that... Wow. This is really unfair. <laughs> Like I'm, the people, the people though. From my point of view, the people though. That's kind of unfair. Like all those, all that power, and then he can even overtake the law. That there's nothing fair about that. Mm-hmm. Really, it's hard to agree with it, right? But here's the Are thing. Telling me... It's only what, it's it's only in the event of Einstein. Right? Yeah, it's only. The... So, like, what, what constitutes Ernstfall, right? Like, it has to be a serious, serious thing. Something that threatens the existence of a state has to is Ernstfall. Not just any problem is Ernstfall. It has to be, like, an existence-threatening problem, like war or uh, coup d'etat or something like that. You know what a coup d'etat is, right? I, I think I do. Let me check. It's like a... You can Google it if you want. I'll Google it. I'll actually Google this one. You know how to spell it? Who? Oh yeah, no. oh yeah, I think I do. I ah yeah, yeah. oh you call that ah yeah. ah overthrow yeah, yeah yeah definitely yep I know that overthrow. A coup d'état yes a coup d'état exactly coup d'état. Are you learning it from French? Is that is that a Fr is that a French word? Yeah, coup d'état is French. Ah yeah, yeah correct. Sacré de oh, oh, oh. Bon, bonjour. Yeah. You know that be where you send search up the French word and suddenly you have a photo of that person wearing holding a baguette. Yeah, General Grievous. <laughs> General Grievous. <laughs> <Da -da -da -da. laughs> it's so retarded. It's such a dumb meme. You can do that meme here. Like what do you call that? Cool. <laughs> search type down Carl Schmidt. Carl Schmidt. <laughs> or it, it's it's like a German version of. Ernstfall. Yes. Ernstfall. 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 And then the song that plays is like, <laughs> da, 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 you know that one? Yes. That... <laughs> okay. Oh, man. So, 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 uh, I want to, I want to, I want to do an interlude here because so that the audience can think a little bit about Ernstfall. So if you don't mind, uh, well, we're not going to take a break, but we're going to put like an interlude here so that y'all can let Ernst Fall simmer in your brains for a while. Uh, we're going to play Keith Richards, I Hate It When You Leave.
And we're back, and we're back. So oh, it's good break. So good, good, and fast. So <laughs> I wanna go more in depth as, as to why Schmidt hates liberalism so much, and I wanna yeah. also tell you more about Schmidt's uh, morality, his and his idea of what po what it what politics is, right? So like, I wanna ask you, Tevis first. Ooh. Sorry, I'm, I'm drinking. I'm drinking alcohol right now. What is politics to you? What does it mean to be polit what does it mean to be political? Hmm. In a general definition, like assuming I don't know the word of politics, I think it means to lead and to govern. Mm -hmm. Or generally for the for for the majority of the people. So that in order so that society can grow. What or if, so that the country What if you're a citizen, you're just a normal citizen, what does it mean to be political? If you're just like a regular, mm. normal, ordinary Joe citizen. I think it means to pay taxes usually. I think do your taxes, do what you're supposed to do, what do what your country expects you to do. So, you're a fascist. Oh, no. I'm joking, no. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so, well, so according to Schmidt, um, what it means to be political. Um, before that, uh, let I want to... I want you. I want to say a quote by Schmidt that kind of encapsulates everything he said. The exception is more interesting than the rule. The rule proves nothing. The exception proves everything. Remember, exception and fall. But anyway, so we'll get into it. So Schmidt argued that politics is the ability to make a distinction between friend and enemy. That is what it means to what that is what politics is. This making distinctions. Everyone is political in the sense that we have our friends and we have our enemies. That's politics, according to Schmidt. Okay. I don't know how much you agree with that. 
probably. And they were going to like a small. And he said that you can either do it internationally, when countries have countries that are their friends, like Germany with Italy and Japan, and enemies. About, like Philippines with China. Yes, exactly. Perfect example. <laughs> They, 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 those are our friends, and we love them for it. We love them. We love them so we much. Love, we love them so much. Thank you for taking our. I, <laughs> Thank you for taking our territory, and giving and giving us your wonderful people you, in return. Thank you for giving us nothing back. No, we got something back. We got. We got. We got. Uh. Hey, so. Oh, look at it this way: the Philippines has a serious population problem, and China just gave us a serious population solution. So. Ah, I'm joking. Hello? I'm joking. I'm just joking. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. No, it's not. It's not. Can you hear me? Hello? Oh, no. Just, uh... <laughs> oh, oh, no. Can you hear me, bitch? Hello? 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 Oh, no. Uh, we're having a bit of a technical issue here. We're gonna uh, excuse us for a while. Uh, hello. Uh, okay, we're back. Yeah, uh, yeah we're back. back. So. We're back now. <laughs> Renzo had a bit of an internet problem. Ah ha ha ha! Filipino problems. Ha 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 ha! Anyway, Reset. <laughs> anyway, bitch. So, I I made a joke about how you said that China didn't give us anything back, and I was like, we have a population problem, and China gave us a population solution. In the form oh. of COVID. I, I. Nine. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry. This show will be shut down. <laughs> Please, no. This is my livelihood. You know what I'm saying? Hey. <laughs> I'm actually so fucking stupid. <laughs> okay. So. <clears throat> so. Schmidt said that you can apply this distinction to literally any fucking thing, right? As a country, mm. you have your friends, you have your friend nations, and as a person, you have your own friends and your own enemies. So, so long as you have the ability to make a distinction, you are a political being, okay? Mm. So, Schmidt also disagreed with Thomas Hobbes because Thomas Hobbes said that, uh, that the state of nature is uh everyone hates each other basically all of you are enemies by default and he said that you cannot peacefully coexist w without the rule of law schmidt said that fuck you hobbs you're full of shit and he did huh because even without even if we are in the state of nature so long as we can have friends in some way we are political we don't need the rule of law necessarily <laughs> But isn't that going against like uh in what you what he said earlier about like the for mm, what was that the one when you asked for what you call what is political or something like dictatorship? Well, here's what the thing. Uh, Hobbes said that the sovereign exists to ensure the rule of law. Schmidt said the sovereign exists to renew the rule of law. To to out that's why he has to exist outside the rule of law. Or the rule of law. 
so Hobbes states that the uh, sovereign and the rule of law are like one and the same. They kind of like com complement each other. But Schmidt says that the sovereign has to be over the rule of law. And assuming that the sovereign is not bound by the rule of law, he has to exist more or less in an individual state of nature. And if you give it that context, people need to have that ability to make friends. Because the thing about Hobbes is that to Hobbes, being enemies is a guarantee. To Schmidt, being enemies is a possibility. Yet? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, ask yourself now, why does Schmidt hate liberalism? Hmm. Given, given how you understand his politics, you can see why he hates liberalism, right? This is you asked this question earlier about like why Schmidt hates that all kumbaya idea where everyone's like holding hands and like you know, imagine Maybe, there's is no it the, heaven. Is it no, what you just said earlier? <laughs> Wait, okay, what, 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 what? Is it what you just literally said earlier, like uh, why he hates uh, liberalism? Well, yeah, it plays into it. He hates liberalism because no, li liberalism I, kind of destroyed what it meant to be a nation state because yeah. it, it promotes the idea that peace is uh peace can be a perpetual solution like if the if world peace is a viable outcome in liberalism and he, schmidt says that that is fundamentally bullshit yeah because uh yeah i i don't know how to word it but <laughs> well look at it this way schmidt says that when people when people are looking at each other when countries are looking at each other like they have the ability to just put aside all of their differences and have perpetual peace you kind of create an expectation which is impossible to meet and when you fail to meet this expectation this is when war happens he says that world, uh... he says that world war one is the failure of liberal societies liberal countries to recognize the possibility of their neighbors becoming their enemies Mm, okay and and he even went so far as to say that liberalism misunderstood politics because liberalism assumes that people are good and not capable of being enemies with each other fundamentally oh yeah i think that's true because like politics it's to the purpose of politics was to establish a healthy relationship between countries as well right uh, international politics, yes, but in, at, yeah, at, yeah, at, at, at the basic level, politics is a social thing between yeah, small groups of people. Yeah, it is a social thing. Um, so I he is there is truth to those words though, cause like what you call that, like generally we always want the goods, what you call to be in good relations, right? We always consider friends first, but then usually like in most social relationships, there's always the risk that you might run to an enemy. You might run, like that friend, that so-called friend is actually a. Uh, or isn't really your friend he's gonna backstab you that's a thing that's isn't that a general so smith hates it because it ignores the general risk we usually face exactly yes fucking exactly bingo ding 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 golden buzzer you got it yeah excellent work my son so <laughs> he also said that when Paul, when liberal societies are are like presented with the true nature of politics so to speak when liberal society when liberal societies are presented with what it actually really really means to be political yeah mm -hmm. he said that at that moment they deny it they're insincere 
and they try to forget about it. So when you when you tell a liberal society that hey, your neighbors could very well fucking kill you in your sleep, yeah, they're gonna be like, nah, fam. No, they cool, they cool, and then and then when, when, and, then ha- when and then when it actually happens, they're like, you know, surprise Pikachu. Oh. They're like, huh. Huh? It, it's, it's exactly like when those when your homie tells you, dude, that girl, that girl ain't worried it, man. She's using you. Like, nah, man, I like her. And then, <laughs> and then, she and then you see, huh? Huh? <laughs> Surprise, speak well, well, Like when, when, when there's a girl and her boyfriend beats her, and then she's all like, <laughs> she, she, he's beating me to teach me discipline. He loves me. And then, and yeah, he's, he, lo- or, and then she and, loves me. He loves me. Uh, and then like. She gets beaten so bad that she gets put in a hospital. Huh? <laughs> huh? Oh, no. So Schmidt has a quote. I'm going to paraphrase it. Under an assumption of perpetual peace and friendliness, states are less likely to be prepared for the Arnstfall and therefore risk the lives of their citizens. Art. When states assume that everything is fine dandy and everyone is friends they are not prepared for the Ernstfall. so when the Ernstfall comes the people fucking die they, they get isn't hurt. that similar to what's happening that is the perfect example in the philippines right now well mm-hmm. more like the government not the people the people are already because well the philippines is doing good so far because the we as filipinos assume that everyone's out to fucking kill us right <laughs> Yeah, but except for there, he's like, China's our best friend, man. They never do that. Starts building a base oh, for I'm some not, reason. I'm not talking about the Philippines as a state. I'm talking about Filipinos as people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, my bad. We have a very healthy Schmidtian minds, mindset because we hate everybody. We, we were, <laughs> the, our first instinct when we won't leave the house is this guy's probably going to fucking kill us. I know. <laughs> it's not here, yeah, Remember when you almost got. Literally, the things you have to go every day. Are we, are we gonna get shot today again? Oh, you're going to Taft? Oh, you're going to Binondo? Take this, take this thing, bro, before you get robbed. Mm-hmm. We're cautious, and Schmidt would say, "Oh, that's very wise of you. It's very smart." He's so, the risk we have to run, man. So Schmidt says that enmity can exist alongside alliance and neutrality. Because liberalism kind of disregards that enmity concept. It's all either alliance or neutrality. And, you know, liberalism, according to Schmidt, has this philosophy where a stranger is a friend you haven't met yet, you know? <laughs> is it uh, liberalism sounds like more like, wait, it sounds way too ideal? It does. It does. It does. And Schmidt said there's no room for that shit. Yeah, because I think things should have a touch of realism as well, but... Idealism is also nice because it also sets a somewhat of a thing to inspire you by, but then you have to have a touch in between. Mm-hmm. Schmidt said that here's how you have to work, uh, think about countries and people. Everyone is dangerous, potentially. You're dangerous, mm. I'm dangerous. And, and the, your sister's dangerous, your brother's dangerous. My, my classmates are dangerous. Everyone's dangerous. Yeah. And and he says it is this constant sense of danger that that allows people to conflict with each other. It's the fact that everyone has that potential to be dangerous that conflict fundamentally arises from. Yeah? So mm-hmm. if you 
are aware of this danger, you are better equipped to deal with the conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yay, we're do we're gonna handle this. Wait, can we even handle this in our case? What do you mean? Like China? No, I mean I mean like in our case right now, the people we're we're mentally ready for it, but I don't think we're equipped for it. Why not? Maybe you're not, I, I am. <laughs> well, that's true. I need to I guess I need to be prepared myself. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's a tilt. Really Bidu, huh? So he said that when you're if, let's say hypothetically speaking, Renzo, you're the sovereign, okay? You're the sovereign of a state. Let's say the state is Germany, I don't know. Okay? And let's say that Ernst Fall happens and now you have absolute power of this over the state. Alright. Schmidt said that it's your sense of danger. The idea that all everything and anything external of the state is potentially dangerous, that will be your guideline and how to act. So you act assuming that everything is out to get you. Okay? Okay. Alright, so Schmidt said that Politics by nature is antagonistic. Yes. Um, I would say, oh man, that's kind of hard because I feel like it's a, it's I feel like it's more neutral because it's both good. It could be either good or bad, mm -hmm. depending on how you, depending on the terms you guys come up with. So look at it even in the smallest level, right? Where you are a citizen trying to make your way in society and trying to make money. it's There's competition mm -hmm. already. Even within that small independent domain, there's competition. So by nature, yeah. just the ability that, just the notion that you have to perceive everybody as having a potential danger to you and that you need to make distinctions all the time. Politics teaches you to be cautious. And caution supplements hostility and antagonism okay but just because laws are antagonistic i mean just because no just because politics are antagonistic doesn't mean politics are useless you see yeah okay so so laws bureaucracies they work under normal conditions but when it comes to understanding politics they're bad because laws and bureaucracies do not take into account the danger of people, which is why they are not suitable to handle Ernstfall, right? Mm -hmm. So he says that just the idea that the system fucking sucks at being political, you have to suspend it in the event of Ernstfall. So oh. the sovereign comes in and he says that the sovereign possesses the ultimate authority. And what is, what does ultimate authority mean to Schmidt? Um, basically, you have the control over every every power there is, or that, something. Even, that, that's even, that's close. But to Schmidt, even the political. But to oh. Schmidt, to Schmidt, ultimate authority manifests itself in one choice, just one fundamental choice. Whether you're equipped to handle this or not, right? Or close. The ultimate authority manifests itself in the ability to decide 
when circumstances are normal and when Ernstfall happens. The ultimate authority is to say we're having an Ernstfall right now and we need to mobilize. That is the ultimate authority. Huh. Ah, then, uh, okay. Yeah, because after that, you're already having the mm-hmm. full control. And then when Ernstfall happens, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this thing called the Sh- I called it the Schmittian equation. Schmittian. Uh, so suppose assume that you are the leader of a country, Tevis, okay? Mm. And as the leader of the country, you are presented with the, the with ultimate authority. Remember to decide when times are normal and exceptional, okay? Okay. So when times are normal, what applies is this. So normal times plus equals the rule of law plus everybody just being you know happy dandy whatever I don't know what I'm trying going going with this but normal times you do not have that much power you still do have power but you do not have that much power and the rule of law is applied when Ernstfall happens you have you suddenly get absolute law absolute power I meant. And you make laws. That's another thing that Schmidt says about the sovereign. Your job is to make laws, new laws. You become the rule of law. So that law can come. So from what I remember, that law can even beat the former laws. Mm -hmm. Yep. The former laws don't matter anymore. It's you now. You're the lawmaker. Uh, I thought there'd be at least a failsafe for any of that, but no. Mm, what do you mean? You are the failsafe. <laughs> no, I meant like you. You know how like usually don't they have a, like a loophole for just in case, like the for say the leader gets too off. Like isn't there a law against that? Just in case he gets you know way too controlling or something. Or like you want the power back, you don't want so, him to have the power. Uh, I noticed you're doing this a lot. You're looking at Schmidt's uh, theolo- uh not theology, a uh, political ideology, like uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a democrat, as a de- as a democrat. I have a friend who calls Democrats demon rat. So demon. you're 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 you're, you're uh, looking at it too much like a demon rat, okay? Right. And that that and the thing is, you need to pretend that you don't live in a de- demon rat scene. <laughs> Okay, okay. Oh yeah, that was my bad. Yeah, you're bad. I'm a demon rat. <laughs> hey, are you getting sleepy on me? No, I just said I'm a demon rat. Don't sleep. I'm not, Don't I sleep. sleep. I'm not. I'm alive. Don't sleep. <laughs> I love that meme. I love that dog. <laughs> she's, she's, she's good girl. Mm-hmm. Alright, so what was happening after that? Sorry, I'm smoking. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so and so at all times, you as the leader of the country, remember you're still the leader. You have to retain mm-hmm. some form of authority, and you need to understand how much authority the rule of law has when nor- times are normal, because rule of authority, the rule of law, can never decide when Ernstfall happens. So the rule of law only has sufficient authority, not ultimate authority. You see? 
Mm-hmm. And Earth's fall means that you have full authority this time. And the rule of law is just you multiply by zero. It's gone. Bye bye. Hmm. Well, well, that, that's up to the Odyssey. I think that's. Is there any? No, no, never mind. I was gonna say something from the point that it was being debunked. A demon nah, rat. No, I'll answer you. Yeah. You're you're the student, and I'm Master Yoda. Come on. Oh, what was? Now I forgot my question. What was it? Ah, uh, yeah, I was gonna say. Beyond that, the people don't have any. They're just gonna live their life off. Whatever the guy says, right? Whatever. I mean, what do you mean? Like what you call it? Since it's the what's that? How did you say that again? Erestfall. 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 In the state of Erestfall, everything that he demands is what you call is the your rule, right? Yeah. Yes. So there's like no, like I said, I I I don't think you answered the question, but. Like, is there any thing like per se? How are they ever gonna make a coup d'état if that's the case? A coup d'état? Yeah. Is cou- well, your job as a di- well, you're looking at yeah. I was gonna say you're looking at it like a like a demon rat. So so, I mean, a, a coup d'état is not even a, a demon rat thing. That's just like a a cunt thing. <laughs> you're, <laughs> a coup d'état is an example of Ernstfall, a common Ernstfall scenario. And mm-hmm. if you are the sovereign and a coup d'etat happens, that's an earnest situation. So your job is to put that shit down. So yeah. normally what you do is you kind of like just collect all of those involved, um, you know, just kill, kill oh, them. Oh, no. Uh, just, uh, yeah. just, just, just like, you know, just have them fucking hang John and Courted, put their body parts outside of the, the palace, uh, have their families exiled or killed as well. Have all Jeez. of their possessions burned, erased from the records of history, all that shit. Jeez Louise. So that's probably what you do, because you know you have power. You 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 you're you're asking that question as if coup d'etats are a regular thing that can happen. Nah. <laughs> coup d'etats nah, aren't. Usually are, aren't, are, right? Coup d'etats, coup d'etats, no, they're not. Coup d'etats are they're fucking. They're not. They're violent takeovers, dude. They're like oh, they're 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 fucking just. People They're die. Right. People die in coup d'etats, man. Like I know, I know. A lot of people. <laughs> it's not an impeachment. It's like an assassination. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, okay, we're we're about to wrap up this segment. Then we'll go for another break. Um. So. Another reason, well, actually, this is the 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 reason why liberalism doesn't work, is because liberalism's values are fucked. They're all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What is it? What he means by this is this: liberalism places liberty over life. Your freedom as a person is more important than your life as a person. Mm. And Schmidt said that's uh Schmidt said that's the other way around, fam. It's gotta be your life over your liberty. Actually, I agree with that one actually. Mm-hmm. And he said that you know that a sovereign is good if he is able to protect the state and protect the citizens. 
because a liberal would think that a sovereign's legitimacy depends on how well he applies the law. Schmidt said, fuck off. It's his ability to protect. If he can protect, then he can attack. And and the whole the whole point behind it is that conservatism, Schmidt's preferred set of philosophy, has the right set of values. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also when Ernstfall happens, it shows you the true nature of a human being, so to speak, or at least that's the sovereign. Because if the sovereign is a lawmaker, he does not become a law preserver. And if and at, in the event of Ernst Fall, where everything basically gets multiplied by zero, every all decisions are made on completely neutral grounds. Okay, there's no law to stop you. There's no system to stop you. It's just and you. No... It's it's you and your willpower. That you can already smell the Nietzsche from this guy already, right? Yeah. So, and that in that event, your ability to mobilize the population against a common problem or enemy shows through. And when you are a sovereign and you uh, and you have power in its fullest form, the exercise of violence is the ultimate expression of that power. When the law when the law says you can't be violent and you choose to be violent, you start an earnest fall for somebody else, so to speak. <laughs> the, that that that's what you call Schmidtian power in its fullest form. To be able to to shake the ground that you walk on as a sovereign, a la Hitler, with his you know, with all of his sticks going on. Uh, so we're going to take a break right now. Uh, the next topic we're going to talk about Schmidt and his relationship with Adolf Hitler and the rest of Germany. Uh, it's going to be a very story-driven this next segment. But we're we're done with the we're done with the nitty-gritty. All right. So here is uh the American Way by Sacred Reich.
All right, we're back. All right. Okay, yeah. Renzo, I want to ask you just to make sure that you're still awake. What do you think so far? Hmm. What do I think so <clears throat> far? Aside from the huge power spike and then... Honestly, I think it's right now, I think the concept of... Uh, the way you call it, liberal, liberalism isn't so good because based on the perspective of uh, what's his name uh schmidt yeah and right now i think it's honestly what? a lot easier to side with smith and i really agree right, right now, now with okay. the thing yes. with what smith said earlier the one with the uh, the point he made earlier i forgot what was name what was that entire point i can't phrase that word well what's that what's that point he made a very interesting point there. About, uh, about 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 uh the life of the state of the citizens being more important than the liberty yeah, of the citizens. That's the one, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. The life of the citizen is more important because I think that's really important there. Because uh, you can focus on on your own, you can create as much plans as you want about how you're gonna make this thing better. But if in the end, if it's not doing anything for the citizens, if it's not even helping them, you should focus on the citizens' life first. Because it's usually structure before life sometimes. Right. So, so far, you're inclined to agree with Schmidt, right? Yeah. All right, all right. Well, a lot of the things you mentioned before, like, I didn't agree, but then this one I can really agree. Mm. Well, you'd, you'd be surprised, like, how influential Schmidt actually is in the 21st century. He's insane. Hmm? Yeah, but we'll get to that after the, after we talk about uh, the 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 relationship between Schmidt and Hitler and Nazism. So, All right. what do you what do you know about Adolf Hitler's political ideology? Hmm, I don't really know much about Adolf Hitler, but aside from the fact that he just killed a lot of Jews, that's, I'm rather I I like I only know the generals. That's it. The really popular concepts. Right, okay. But what do you know so far? Hmm. Adolf Hitler, charismatic leader. Hmm. He he we did an illegal <laughs> he got he got into he assassinated all his he did a power play assassinate all his opponents so he could be leader again or something. Yeah. Um let's see. I think that's all I remember so far. That's all I can gather up for now. Okay, so... So Adolf Hitler was, well, needless to say, he was a piece of shit. Like, a, a, a huge piece of shit. So... Yeah. So, uh... I want you to ask yourself, well, does Hitler feel like He's similar to something we've discussed so far. Hmm. Wait a bit. He feels. Well, how is Hitler related to Schmidt? What What does Hitler f look like? What does he seem like? A dictator. Yes, but what 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 does that mean? Hmm. He seems to be, he wants to be controlling all the power because he wants to, oh my. 
So what does, hey, is what, it... what does it, that make Hitler? Is it that make Hitler? Oh, I forgot the word. Wait. Letter S. What? Um. For... But basically, what's that? The what's the thing where it, when when something's really bad's happening? What's that phrase we say? Eretz because Hitler in the situation that Eretzval who who was, who, uh, who decides what Eretzval is the leader, right? What 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 the Schmidt called the leader? Um, a supreme oh, no ruler sovereign, a sovereign ruler. Uh, that's just the sovereign's fine. Hitler was oh. the perfect embodiment of Schmidt's philosophy. That's why mm-hmm. Schmidt and Hitler were like super tight. They yeah. So Schmidt fucking came all over Hitler's power play. He loved that shit so much. The Night of the Long Knives. I he enjoyed. It. I remember that. Uh, yeah, and I also the light. I can't believe, but the name does sound cool though. The Night of the Long Knives. Mm. I think it's one of those things that got lost in translation. I bet in German it sounded super fucking rad. But then when you translate it to English, it's like, oh, Night of the Long Knives, huh? Okay, I see. Okay, cool, I, I cool, see. Cool. Yeah. Like, cool. Nice. It's one of those... It's 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 like it's like Konnichiwa in Japanese. If you, if you directly translate Konnichiwa to English, it doesn't mean hello. It, what does it mean? It... It's like, so it literally means konnichiwa. Kon- konnichi means like today. And today. wa is like, you're asking for a description. So it's like, today. How is today? <laughs> yeah, basically, how is today? But if you directly translate it, it's just like today. Like, oh. it, it, it's, it's fucking lame, right? So <laughs> it's, one of those, yeah. it's, one of, it's one of those things that sound better in their native languages. And I bet uh, Night of the Long Nights was like, what is Night of the Long Nights in German? I'm curious now. Night of the Long Knives. French. Nach der Langen Messer. I'm gonna have it read to me. Nacht der Langen Messer. Nacht der Langen Messer. Nacht der Langen Messer. Hmm. Nacht... Maybe we're not saying it right. Oh, and they they also called it uh, Operation Hummingbird. Oh, Unter, because it's unter, French. Unternehmen Colibri. Ooh. Night of the. Ooh. Actually, that sounds, that also sounds pretty cool. Honestly, Ooh. Night of the yeah. Hummingbird sounds cool. Operation. It's not Night of the Hummingbird. See, you're falling asleep on yeah. me. It's Operation. Hum- what do you mean? Yeah, it's Operation Hummingbird. You're falling asleep, motherfucker. No. You just said but yeah I when I called you out. Okay. Um. Uh. Um. <laughs> are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> do you want to do this? <laughs> do you? No, want... I'm fine. Are you sure? Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Really? Yes, my dude. What's what's the guy's name again? What do you mean? The Knight of the Hobbit or Carl Schmidt? Okay, there you go, Carl Schmidt. <laughs> okay, so 
Wait, are you talking about my dog in the background that's snoring? Is that why? No, I'm talking about you. You, you sound like you're stoned. <laughs> I'm not even stoned, man. Like, wait, it's like it's four. Yeah, it's near four a.m. for me, man. Uh, more for more or less for you. I don't I'm know one, how you're I'm, awake. I'm one. <laughs> yeah, I'm awake. I said more I'm, or less. I'm awake because I'm a sovereign and you're my bitch. <laughs> oh shit. Do you have any like? Do you have any like alcohol on you? No. Uh, like not 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 drinking alcohol, like like uh, ethyl alcohol. None. Okay, never mind then. So, sorry, I want to talk about. I want to talk. I just want to do this really quick. Okay. Uh, so Schmidt supported the Nazi regime because of his innate belief that life over liberty was the main court like set of values for the state okay mm -hmm. and he believed that the survival of the state was more unpopular was more was more important than the liberty and the lives of the individuals inside the state which is why he liked it when hitler when Hitler uh, took power, because he thought that there actually was something that threatened the German state. He he, already, he thought that Germany was already in a state of Ernstfall at the time because yes. of Jews and, and liberal, yeah. I had a feeling it was that. Because like, yeah, based on uh, what Hitler described Jews like, they're a plague. They're 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 ruining this country. I think that was the what triggered the quote unquote Ernstfall, right? Yep. So it, it 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 was it was the it was just the existence of parasites in the state that made uh, Schmidt think that Ernstfall was happening. And I honestly thought Ernstfall would only happen during nat natural calamities, but I forget that it can also be any time when you think the state yeah. is in. Yeah, mm -hmm. it can also be as long as you think the person deems that it's a they're a danger, a threat to the society, right, then right. that's the only time. Yeah. So you know, you know. This is where Schmidt, I think, reaches a lot of criticism because he fails to account that the state is liable to change, right? States can mm. change. He yeah. Fail, he, he fails to account for that, yeah? Sorry, go on. Wait, what do you mean he failed to account for that? Like... Like Schmidt's theory of a sovereign only works insofar as a state is like a consistent thing, right? The way, because mm. like, states can change they're not because the way the way schmidt conceives the state is that it's static it's something that is you know perfect it's where this law its values are set in the stone that sort of thing he mm. fails he fails to account that the state is liable to be altered by historical events right yeah definitely. and when that happens how, how will his theory fare Right. Let's let's mm. say let let's say for example you have a communist state, a socialist state. There's no room for Schmidt's uh, theory because Schmidt's Schmidt's ideology only works in like a like a let's let's say a democratic fascism or a, mm. or a democratic concept, right? Or a democratic dictatorship. Yeah. When you have yeah. like a different set of economic values, a different set of like. Uh, not economic, a different set of, you know, social values, that mm. whole sovereign taking power thing, that whole Ernst Fall thing doesn't really apply that much anymore, right? Mm, yeah. And 
it's a terrible revolutionary philosophy as well, you know. But yeah, uh, aside from that, I, yeah, go on. Oh no, I was gonna say that we call talk, that. Talk as much as you want. Because I feel like the Earth's faulting. Like, don't you think it's honestly feels a bit too convenient? What do you mean? Something to use. What do you like mean? Like when you call that? If, if I'm, like, I was thinking about if you're gonna use it on, quote unquote, the twenty first century or the twentieth century. Mm. You can use it like any, on anyone or anything you don't really like now, or even <laughs> in small problems, right? Let's assume, uh, per se, you someone like we to take away foreigners from your country. You can easily do that anytime you want. Mm-hmm. And but that only works though if hmm. But that's oddly. So, so the key about the, sorry, go on. I was saying I was thinking that that thing that system could be easily abused then in the twenty first century, like to solve a lot of problems. So so the thing about like political philosophy, right, is that you you need to consider that it's how to say. It's like the thing about it is that you need to consider that most of it is dialectic, and the thing about dialectic is that you know the the new way the the current way of doing things and uh, an antithesis for that they never really stay the same in the future. So if mm. you if you have Schmidt's current ideology in place now, they're gonna find ways to recreate it based on the criticisms it's received. And Schmidt's ideology received two major criticisms, and a lot of it stemmed for his role from his role in consolidating Nazi ideology. What so, are the two criticisms? So the first for... one I just mentioned. It's the idea. It's the idea that Schmidt doesn't yeah. doesn't have any contingencies for when states change. Yeah, yeah. After that, it's screwed. But the second one was that the state ought to ha- ought to be questioned at any time, because Schmidt argues that the state is like the end all be all. The sovereign is the end all be all. He doesn't account that the sovereign and by extension the state are entities that can be wrong, that can have plans and. Th- objectives that fail you know shit that doesn't work because the way schmidt looks at it is like it's like it's like it's god you know but Mm. if you take into account that these are people who are prone to failure it's all over giving a lot of ultimatums right yeah it's all ultimatums for this guy and like what what if there's like a nuance that you know it can be solved like in a more easily right easily a more easy civil kind of way right Oh yeah, now it was now I remember what I was gonna say. It's inspiring like all the solutions are done through extremities. Mm-hmm. Like, like it doesn't need to even be this intense if you can already have something that simple, right? Mm-hmm. All right. But yeah. Nothing. But as you said, nothing is really perfect because like each has their own uh, pros okay. and cons. Yeah, that exactly. That's the beauty of political philosophy. It's a bit hard to contest these things if you're like reading psychology. Well, not, yeah, really, but... not not psychology, but philosophy, or mm-hmm. even like sociology. But in politics, it's super easy to contest how effective these ideologies are. Yeah, it is. Cause like I think this one seems feels more opinionated at this point. Mm-hmm. So okay, so uh, our next segment are gonna talk about twenty first century examples of Schmidt's ideology. What happens when you take 
Schmidt's ideology and apply these two criticisms to make a more coherent version of it. And a you more see coherent. a more coherent, more modern, more contemporary, okay, fine, good version of this, you know? Also, we're restructuring the concept of... Uh... Exactly. That's how politics works, man. You you have to restructure the, the concepts behind it to make it work in a modern setting. Because Schmidt's ideology will not fucking work in the 21st century. Yeah, like, yeah, that's if, true. If you take it, it if, you, if you copy paste it, yeah, basically it would not work. It's so correct me if I'm wrong. Gonna restructure it to make it more applicable or like. Uh yeah, applicable is a good word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For twenty first century society. Okay, so I, I'm kind of interested how you're gonna do that, especially with you know how Smith usually makes a decision of extremities and solving with solving giving so much ultimatums. Mm-hmm. It's kind of so. I don't know how you're gonna apply that in real life, especially when everyone's like peaceful for now. Uh, I'll I'll give you one free example right now. All right, Batman. <laughs> oh my! God. No, you can't use Batman. Oh nope. Oh, let's 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 talk about the state then. Let's use real countries then. The relationship of two certain countries. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you after this segment. I'll, I'm going to tell you an answer that's gonna fucking surprise you. By the way, so all right. After this segment, so this uh okay, we'll take another break. He have some MJ for now. All right, see you around. Oh, MJ. See you yes, guys. Mary Jane, not Michael Jackson.
Welcome back. Tevis was just well, telling me that he's in the end game. Yes, yes, yes. This is gonna be fun. Cause I, you need to give me the answer. So, do you know? You wanted a country example. I'll give you one country example to end all country examples. Okay, okay. Have you heard of this little, small little country in the West called the United States of America? <laughs> hey, that's not that's not little. <laughs> that... <laughs> oh my god. Okay, okay. Yes, I've heard of that country. It's a. Uh, and would you believe me when I would you would you believe me when I say that that shit applies Schmidt's Schmidt's political ideology? Okay, honestly, I can see it being applied. But do you know how exactly? Well, okay. How how do you no. see it? How, no, 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 no. I want to okay. know. I want to okay, know. How, okay. how, 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 how let me let me assume. Okay. 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 For for me, United States of America is a purely democratic country, right? Um, since it's democratic, a lot of and the other second proof for me is that the fact that there's a lot of people who go to who go to America who live the American dream, and and we call America as you see self preaches their thing for diversity and why they accept everyone but ironically <laughs> um the people don't really do they but i think you can apply that in the sense that uh assuming we're gonna you're gonna be applying this to, since it's 21st century mm. what would what would you change I, if i were to take a guess i think you'd change the fact that hmm the ru- the ruling i would say the what level is uh or what's the word again i'm so bad at saying that word Ernstfall. yeah i think you're gonna change the what what the standards of Ernstfall are then you're gonna make okay. it more more we call it more but you're gonna try to make it more applicable in by make it easier on the people like maybe more reasonable ultimatums make it sound more reasonable so that people are like oh this makes more sense. I see. Like, like, make people think it's still a democratic, but actually it's not anymore. Like, by giving I people see. the fake... Yeah, like a fake... A concept of a fake choice, when in reality, they don't really have a choice. I see. The okay, I, I get you. I get you. You know, you know, you know what's funny, Tevis, is that... Uh, what's actually really funny is that you kind of... Are very idealistic about it. When you meant restructure, you're okay. I, I kind of get where you're coming from, but all I need to say is two words. Okay, what what is this? Patriot Act. Okay, wait, Patriot Act. Are you gonna look it up? Yep. Okay, go ahead. Actually, I want to read it up just in case. The no. USA Patriot officially uniting and strengthening America by providing appropriate tools required to enter. Oh. Required to intercept and obstruct terrorism. Oh my. Yep, I can see now. Anti terrorism legacy. Oh. The Patriot Act states that in the mm-hmm. event in the event of an Ernst Fall or something like that, uh there is an installment of martial law and emergency powers for the for the for the state, yeah. basically. So it's like you apply Schmidt. It's like this. So Schmidt said that you kind of like have his ideology just kind of like chilling there the whole time passively. But the US said in the event of an Ernst Fall, we will go all Schmidt on this shit. 
Het achtste hier. Oh, is. So, the Patriot okay. Act is probably the best modern day example. Fucking George Bush and 9-11 and shit like that, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, before I, I ask you, like, uh, some more... So, let's get into the Patriot Act a little bit more, alright? So... Oh, so, wait, actually, you could use that greatly, in the, especially in the concept of 9-11, because, like, the thing about it is because... Um, well, the Patriot Act was instituted because of 9-11, though. Yeah, I mean, like, no, I meant, like, you can use the system of the power, the power thing by saying, remember when these guys, quote-unquote, did this to us, you can easily remove them from your country, or, like, make, give them an ultimatum, let these people, let this happen again, or we could change it, right? Mm, okay. So, like, uh, what I want to focus on here is how Edgefall applied in that scenario. Because a lot of people thought 9-11 was a perfect example of a 21st century Ernstfall. Right? Like, like who the fuck mm-hmm. just flies a plane into a building? Like, that doesn't just happen out of nowhere. Yeah. Right, so... So, what was the... No, the one you were saying? I'm sorry, continue. I want to talk about how Ernst Fall applies in this situation, right? So, okay. so you know that the U.S. is a partisan country, right? Mm-hmm. You know what that means, right? A partisan, partisan or partisan? A partisan. Partisan, yeah. Yeah. It's it's divided into two. Yeah, you, you have the libtards and the demon rats. Okay, so. No, no, no. I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You have you have you have the liberals and the conservatives. Right. Oh yeah, I literally see a lot of memes about that. Like, uh, like uh, there's a kind of dog meme. One, di- oh sorry, go ahead. It's about one about a libtard and a democrat. They call they always call each other that. Thank no, me, I mean, li- li- liberals and democrats. I mean, they're all democrats, but Lib- liberals and uh, patriot. Liberals and conservatives. Don't uh, don't don't overthink it, bugo. All right. <laughs> liberal conservative okay, conservative uh, god damn it it's so easy anyway so never mind that <laughs> so you so uh, conservatives and liberals have different like interpretations of Ernstfall right yeah and the conservatives are for the Patriot Act more, more or less and the liberals are against it uh, the liberals hate Schmidt you know it that just mm-hmm. it kind of checks out because Schmidt hates liberals, but it's also like this. So the conservatives said that you know the idea of Ernstfall was a good way to justify uh, the the government violating personal liberties, right? So mm-hmm. they they said that okay, since Ernstfall is a possibility, it's fine if you guys increase your surveillance. It's fine if you increase detention times. It's fine if you do. It's fine if you jail people without trial. If it means mm-hmm. that we'll be safe from the Ernst fall, it's all cool. That's what they say, right? Yeah. And the lib the libtards instead say that. Uh, you can't do that. <laughs> Why not? Because you're Why? you're violating our our fucking rights. Why are they Irish? Oh no, is this like Braveheart shit again? No, 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 no. Well, it's like it's like this. Like you know, um, the 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 leftists, the liberals, said that you know, to to do to do things like you know, increase your surveillance or jail people without trials. They're mm-hmm. like, 
so their their main argument is that these things violate human rights. Yeah. And and it's like and you're making them feel unsafe in their own countries, which is counterintuitive to what they want, which is which with with with, with what with what the conservatives want, which is more safety. So the main issue of Ernst Fall is safety. There's different perceptions of what it means to be safe. Conservatives want to be safe from the outside, but liberals want to be safe from the inside. Uh mm-hmm. but in that case of Erisfall, um since you have two since you have two sides, does that mean is that gonna be rather a huge devastating change? Because like the moment one side removes can easily remove another side because both both parties stand for completely different things. Yeah. Or yeah, nearly yeah. So well, that's like a huge half wipeout or something. Another thing is, you know, like you have the U.S. has camps, concentration camps, like Guantanamo Bay, right? And and the whole and that whole fiasco is like the result of an of uh, an event being falsely labeled Einstein. Well, it changed mm-hmm. because what 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 labels things as Einstein nowadays is what is my, is like public opinion. But the thing is, when you know. When you sort of put the state, the entire state, in a state of paranoia, or the entire mm-hmm. country in a state, I just said state in a state. When you put the entire country in a state of paranoia, in a state of crisis, yeah, oh. state of, a state of, uh, yeah, where they're they're scared of any sort of fall happening, you yeah. Know, you sort of have all of these consequences that you, the people, have to worry about, right? Like, what if you will end up in Guantanamo Bay? Right, and mm. like even ten years after nine eleven or twenty years after nine eleven, right? There's like no, there's no signs of the U.S. letting up the this, you know, secret urged fall policies that they have, where you know, you don't know if you're going to be safe from the outside or whether you're even safe in the inside of your of your state. You're just fundamentally scared, you know, all the time. You know, I'm worried. I don't think. If you apply this in the, I think this would be really bad for us. It, it is bad for them. Very very bad. Like it is really bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, I want to. Like, I'm surprised how it actually becomes worse over time if you do it. If you especially apply it, like I thought it would be, like what you call that, a lighter punishment well, if you apply it in this time and age. But no, well, it's worse. A, a lot, a lot of political theorists. You still use shit a lot in their in their theses, like you know, in or in their ideas, ideologies, so to speak, right? Like, for example, you have someone like uh, you have someone like let's talk about some philosophers, right? So, first of all, before we get into it, um, I I want to talk a little bit more about Schmidt. So like, mm-hmm. Schmidt was. Uh, some, so Schmidt was a kind of a shitty person, right? I thought that wasn't obvious. He was he was pro genocide, and that did not age well at all. Yeah. But but the thing is, you know, uh, a lot of more open-minded political thinkers kind wanted to like restructure his work to be more palatable, right? And mm. they took some things about it that worked, not Ernst Fall. Ernst Fall was like the best example of Ernst Fall being used in the 21st century is the US. But 
uh, what what people really liked about Schmidt was his idea that politics was a friend enemy distinction. That was what yeah. that that was what people kind of like took. That's what they liked. That does make sense. Yeah, it's two things: Ernst Fall and the friend enemy political distinction. So let's talk first about uh the, one of these uh, philosophers, uh, Leo Strauss. Are you familiar with him? Mm-hmm. Leo Strauss, no. So Leo Strauss was a philosopher from the United States, and he said that Schmidt's critique on liberalism was really was was kind of crap, and he I think tried to sort of uh, want to reconcile liberalism with Schmidt's ideology, if that was possible. I don't think it is though. Like he said that. Schmidt's idea of liberalism was kind of far-fetched because he, Schmidt thought liberalism was something that was really relativistic or nihilistic, and that it was something that was kind of like up in the air, not on the ground. You know, it wasn't re, it wasn't a realistic way of looking at liberalism. He said mm. because he looks at re- liberalism as quote unquote what it is and not what it ought to be. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that that makes. So, so Strauss argued that uh, there were there were two forms of nihilism, right? And, and nihilism, what are the two forms? So nihilism in the philosophical context is the belief that nothing matters and it's mm-hmm. it's dangerous. But politically, nihilism is actually a very productive concept. A what? A never never a? It, 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 in politics, nihilism is usually a productive concept. How? Wait. So, so Strauss argued that there were two forms of nihilism, right? There was what he—it's what he calls brutal nihilism and gentle nihilism. Mm-hmm. Brutal nihilism are the sorts of nihilism. So nihilism is kind of defined by the urge to destroy things. Okay, mm-hmm. and he said brutal nihilism is when the new when is when a state or a government wants to destroy old traditions, histories, moral standards, and replace them with new ones. Stuff like yeah. the Nazis, you know, and the commies yeah, and Russia. It's always the Nazis. Duterte, you know, Duterte is a brutal nihilist. Sadly, yes. I don't, e- I don't even know if he knows that. <laughs> and then, well, nihilism in politics is productive only if you know how to use it properly because by itself nihilism is a very volatile ideology and the other one is which is not as bad is called he calls it gentle nihilism and this is basically canada mm-hmm. oh. or, or you know or the european union sjw countries i guess which try to sort of like establish a, a value-free totally aimless egalitarian society where they everything is relative you know so Leo Strauss was like mm-hmm. really, really not for this sort of idea where you know people can just, you know, what I'm talking about like SJW politics. Yes. Yeah. Sadly, I do. I know what SJW are. Mm-hmm. Social justice warrior. So Strauss Strauss believed that these these two forms of nihilism, when used by the wrong people, are extremely dangerous. Very. I think. Like you have to, these are things you have to carefully handle, or else this could be misread, misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think there's the thing with handling very strong and uh, what you call it, very strong concepts that you really that really need a huge understanding. If you don't understand it well, it could be misunderstood and very dangerous to 
to the person or to anyone following that person. Right, 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 right. It's totally right, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. So I don't know how he's gonna how he's gonna fly. So, how productive the nihilism works. Well, I would think that you shouldn't destroy. So brutal nihilism is bad because it destroys old traditions instead of instead of synthesizing them, instead of. It tries to erase it from history as if it never happened. Yeah. But and, you can. And the gentle nihilism tries to forget. That's the difference. It tries to forget old old ideologies in place of new ones which have no purpose aside from something but, totally relativistic and purposeless. Ironically, both are kind of equally bad. They are, yeah. Strauss said they were both bad. Yeah, like... None of them even solve anything. They, I think, they both have the same outcome. So it, it it's almost as if, like you know, it, I think Strauss built a lot on Schmidt's friend enemy distinction, especially since uh, when when you apply these two forms of nihilism, you sort of only see enemies. There are no more mm-hmm. friends to be made. Friends only are like-minded people, and you know, Schmidt argued a lot about how. Uh, the possibility to make enemies coexists with the possibility to have friends. That's mm-hmm. important. Schmidt said yeah. everyone's dangerous, but not everyone is automatic an enemy. Yeah, that is true. And like, I, yeah, go on. He just says, like, basically, if you be careful, you know, she could, you know, she could be fuck bad. you. Yeah, bad. Yeah, she could be bad, man. And then, like, the guy's like, oh, you're telling me this? she's crazy, huh? Like, like no, bad. She mm-hmm. could be bad. It's like a warning. Okay. I mean, that's really. And speaking of which, good. Let's, let's. I'll tell you about one more American guy, John Mearsheimer. Uh, Mearsheimer. Yeah, he's a political theorist who said that, who argued for this thing called offensive realism. Offensive is, realism. And he argued that you know in the twenty first century, uh, states going to war. Would probably be a very likely outcome, and at the same time, the most devastating outcome since World War Two, especially since technology and all of that shit. You know, it's like it's like all rack ramped up and all that shit. So he said he said that states need to be ready for war, preemptively ready. They all need to be ready as if they could go to war at any time, at at all times. That sounds nice, yeah. But... Offensive realism. That's what he calls it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true, but I think there's what you call it. In our case, in in our case, I like how that's so that's good to be prepared. But sadly, being prepared all that being prepared is good and all. But then, if we're focusing and preparing on something that may or may not happen, I think it's also good to focus on. We kind of miss out the main problems in certain countries, mm. like by right. focusing on the resource in certain parts. Hmm. Right, because like, don't we live in a world like when when the war is done, it's only gonna be solved in a matter of minutes or days or right, an hour right, because right. of a nuclear warfare? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I in that case, I don't know if that's like. I don't think if that if they should be focusing sometimes when preparing for war. But it's always good to be prepared, right? Yeah. 
mm, you know, like North Korea is just waiting. China's just waiting. Russia's just waiting. And I yeah, think they're all I, waiting. I, I think America's just waiting as well. Yeah, I mean, look at North Korea's case. They're they're just waiting. They're all focusing on the manpower and like, oh, is our army ready? But how about the people? You know, how about the people? Ugh, they're gone. Good goodbye, sir. That's the right. thing. We 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 did two Americans, and I'm going to do finish off with two Italians actually. All right. So the first one is uh, Giorgio Agamben. You know, he's Giorgio Agamben. Giorgio Lambin. George Giorgio. As in Giorgio. As in Giorno, but Giorgio. Okay. Agamben. Mm-hmm. So he has a quote: "The state of exception is not a dictatorship." But a space devoid of law. So he oh. argued. So he argued that Ernst Fall, but since he's Italian, we'll just say exception. He argued mm. that the exception is not a state where law is suspended. Mm. So, like Schmidt said, that you suspend the law. So you kind of like just tuck the law away in a closet until it you start to put it back out. But Agamben said that it's a state that has no law. Rather, state has no. Yeah, a state that has no law, because that's the difference. Schmidt said suspend law, but Georgia said destroy, destroy law, <laughs> forget law. Uh, forget law. So he was inspired a lot by Nazi concentration camps in World War Two, and he said that you know in these camps, uh, all human life was basically like all human identity was erased, and life became what he called bare life. Bare. So they were they were alive, yeah, but they were kind of like stripped of all yeah. the human necessities, legal things. They were just like plants. They were just living for the sake of living. So ah, uh, that's what you mean. Like they're mm-hmm. like barely living, <laughs> just yeah. barely living. And the 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 thing is, uh, Agamben said that uh, Einstein or the state of or any state that would act in such a way because of Einstein is dangerous. Because of the side effects. Because, for example, the temporary suspension of law is never temporary. That's bullshit. Look at Marcos. Yeah, that is true. Case in point, fucking Marcos Duterte. When they say temporary suspension of law, it's never really going to be temporary. It's probably going to last a long time. And it's also because, you know, the things that happen when law is suspended cannot be undone when law is restored. Right? Try try resurrecting somebody who dies when law is suspended. <laughs> oh you know, like, god damn, it's over. My god. <laughs> Holy shit. So, so, yeah. so in a nutshell, Agamben is saying that Ernstfall having having a having an Ernstfall state just fucking kills law. You should not have an Ernstfall state. <laughs> and then this other guy, this last guy we're gonna talk about is this guy named Gianfranco Miglio. You know Miglio, like I can't pronounce it. Chong, wow, Italian names are hard to pronounce. Let's just call him. This is. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna look him up on Google Translate one second. Giorgio Agamben. Wait, I'm gonna see how to pronounce that as well. Uh, Giorgio Giorgio Agamben. Giorgio Agamben. Agamben. Giorgio Agamben. Okay. Giorgio okay. Agamben. Gianfranco Miglio. 
Gianfranco Miglio. Oh, it's Miglio, the G is silent. So Miglio, Miglio said, only the weak-minded believe that politics is a place of collaboration. So what does he mean by that? So how, how he was inspired by Schmidt was this. So Miglio said that uh, when... So he was more of an economist, actually, than a political theorist. So me, an me, economist? Yeah. Milio said that when resources are centralized, uh, it's sort of... When, when, politi when resources, politics, or otherwise are centered uh, in a certain location, right? Mm -hmm. And across a country, it harms the interest and the identity of, of the other parts of the country. So, when something is like, you know, when something is unified, it harms the identity and the economic interests of the other parts of it. Get what I'm saying? So, so far, yeah. So, he, gotcha. he, he says that the best way for a state to function is to decentralize, to de-unify. To be, to be federal. Oh, they like make break it down to smaller parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, his, his. He used Italy as an example because he said that uh, in Italy at the time, at the time he was writing, uh, collaboration was like kind of like a fucking bad thing because all the resources were centralized and. Northern Italy at the time was the one that hit, was hit the hardest because uh, the, it kind of like fucked over the market at the, in, 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 on it in, in Italy at the time mm. because when you centralize resources, the people who control those resources are the powerful groups in the yeah, yeah. in the center. The main ones, right? The really main ones. Uh huh. But if you decentralize it, I think I see what you mean now because uh. With to decentralization, it's actually by making it into smaller groups. They ha it's a lot easier to control certain areas now, in mm -hmm. in particular because you get the entire area in its entirety. Because when you control a huge group, you sometimes miss out the the from macro to micro. You sometimes miss out the really small, the really small parts, and they mm -hmm. actually tend sometimes to be a little bit unaffected. Right. But yeah, they only get the general feeling, but true it's easier to implement a lot more rules because each person is controlling a certain part right exactly so so the yeah. way the way it worked is this like at the time the the north of italy was industrialized is industrializing really fast and the south yeah. of italy was kind of rural just farmland really poor and when italy was unified uh the economic benefits were spread to the south, but the north lost a lot of their mojo because of it. Mm. So he said that if you want, so in, in order to make the north great again, they had to decentralize. So that's it, unless you can name uh, another 21st century example. One off the top of my head, Rodrigo Duterte. Uh oh. Very bad, but mm. what what do you think Schmidt would think about Roddy Duterte? Uh, dude, I don't think he he would like what he's doing. Cause like the fact that you see what he did with China, mostly with, with the, what he did with China is like, bro, China is literally using you, <laughs> and it's like, oh, we're best friends. He's literally using you. 
<laughs> I think he wouldn't like Duterte mostly because Duterte's interpretation of an Ernst fall is super far-fetched. Well, it, I, I think I know what you mean because like, uh, is it because of the fact that he's focusing on different problems that don't even need to be? We have more problems to focus on, and he's focusing on the wrong ones. Hmm. Yeah, because like, Duterte is kind of like just drawing problems out of thin air, you know, and it wasn't. He's not striking the real problems, right? That's mo- really most most of the Ernst fall. That Schmidt was talking about were more external problems than they were internal problems. Stuff outside of state control, you know? Yeah. And Duterte was kind of like trying to... The way I think Schmidt would interpret Duterte's administration was that Duterte was trying to start an Ernst Fall in his own administration so that he could find... So he could use it as a way to consolidate his own power. He was creating a problem to create a solution. It, but in the end, it doesn't really work. It's a and, huge and, and, big and, circle. And, and then I don't know what this guy's doing anymore. I don't think he has yeah. a goal anymore. Yeah, in the end, it's just a big circle. It's a huge U-turn. Anyway, man. So, uh, what do you think about Carl Schmidt? It was a long episode, and I think for, next, fun. for next episode, we should probably... Okay, I'm, I took down some notes in my head. Next episode, maybe start earlier. Or have, <laughs> have shorter breaks where we don't eat and get tired in the middle. Um, I think honestly, for, I like the new structure. I think it's just we need to start early because remember we were waiting for a certain someone. We were there already on time. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Yeah, see, noted, I, I, noted, we were there noted. already at there, so we were just playing around until we were having a fun talk. We were catching up, and I, then... I, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, so we had a fun time catching up before the show started, you know. That's what we got to do. You want to do tomorrow? Huh? Tomorrow? I might want to take a break. I have to finish my work for animation. And I promised promised my guys that I'll be playing with them. Because I canceled their thing. For for uh, in favor of this. uh, We can can do it Monday, though. Monday is... I might be home late on Monday, if you don't mind. How late, late? Like, um, I'm thinking around maybe eleven to twelve your time. Okay, we can do Monday or Tuesday. One Tuesday, I will also be home late. I will be home late every day of the weekday. <laughs> oh my god! So <laughs> I, I, I have to like. So I think. I'll, I'll I'll make Monday work. You don't have to worry about me being tired because I'm never tired. Oh no, I'm not worried about you. You you you're the one who taught me how to like slowly wake start waking up late. How did I like, do that? Remember when we kept playing video games back then? <laughs> oh, <laughs> realizing uh, oh uh, man, you don't get to sleep yet, and we sleep at usually three a.m. four a.m. Mm. And so, that became my chair app. Don't sleep. Don't sleep. I need Don't to make that my reggaeton before the night ends, actually. <laughs> Don't sleep. Don't sleep. Anyway. Don't sleep. So, what do you think? I think, that was, yeah, I think that was a really fun episode. Like, what do you call that? Uh, I really like the concept. Now I'm really worried that if they we actually get an Ersch fall thing. Ersch fall. 
Erich Falding. I don't even know how to spell it. It's, it's, it like it's, 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 re it's, it's really shitty because we have such a good example of a Schmidtian state right now that it might actually, you know, happen. We 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 could very well be Schmidt's wet dream. Yeah, I, I know, I know. That, that's almost, the thing. Almost. I'm worried that if it actually happens, we are so screwed over. Well, Hitler had so much more finesse than Duterte. That's the thing. So I'm not <laughs> sure. The Germans have a flair, have a taste for flair and style. You know, Duterte is all you know. Eh. Uh, you know. Well, in fairness, he did capture. He did capture the people with his emotions. Putang ina. Putang ina to. My God, I hit drugs. <laughs> That's a thing. I hated that... that so much. I was like, my Bruh. God, I hate drugs. He sounds like my grandpa, I swear to God. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, um. so, okay. Uh, I guess that's it. Uh, have some. Have a good night. Here's Melanie with brand new key. I'll see you guys next time. See you guys. doesn't feel right talking about a hyper-controversial World War II figure without playing a hyper-testosterone-filled Sabaton song.
Here's some screaming eagles for you. Right the lightning, hitting the 